Good morning. It is a Thursday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Busy day on tap. I'm Glenn. He's Griffin. Coming up this morning, Jonathan Mayo. Of course, MLB.com, MLB Network, MLB Pipeline. New top 100 prospects update. New prospects lists per organization. And he's got a new book out. It's called Smart, Wrong, and Lucky. I've read the Joey Votto chapter so far. Uh, we'll talk to him about that. Also this morning, Chuck Pagano, former Ravens defensive coordinator and Colts head coach. We will get his thoughts on where the Ravens find themselves defensively. Could they just be swinging the pendulum a little bit towards the offense? Confirm that the Ravens will visit with Ronald Darby, who, as we talked about yesterday, was probably the, the best of what's left. Which I, I want to make it very clear. Yes, but because they have to. Not because I have some extraordinary expectation for Ronald Darby, because you're desperate, because you're starving, and when you're starving, a mushroom olive tapenade sounds pretty good. Otherwise, I don't care for either of those things. Two foods that I just don't eat as an adult. Mushrooms? Mushrooms and olives. You won't touch them? I mean, it's not like, if somebody were to, I were to go somewhere... Like when you're dating someone and you go to see their family and you get, like you eat it, they like, made mushrooms. Like now you're at a place where like everybody understands. I've I've been married to my wife for I don't know a million years, something like that. So like now, it my I'm not gonna go visit my wife's family and and think that they're likely to make chicken marsala because they like know that I just don't care for mushrooms. But like I did when I was when we were dating. If like we went somewhere and someone made something, I was just gonna eat it. That's the way that. I, in fact, that's why for a little while in my life I had stopped eating red meat. That's a straight shoot. Really? For a bit in my life, I had not I was not eating red meat at all. And what got me to eat red meat again was dating my my now wife. Like I would just go somewhere and we'd be like, Well, they're grilling burgers. All right, I'll have a burger. You know what I mean? Like that was just the way that it went. Um, so yeah, I just don't care for mushrooms. I and like again, it's not a like religious thing, like, oh God, if I touch that, I'm going to die. I just don't care for them. I don't care for mushrooms, I don't care for olives. And everything else that uh, I still don't care for liver either. That's not so. I got three okay, three things fair. that I, I mean, don't care. I guess for. that's fair. Like, I don't, everything like, I don't else, like olives either. Everything else that as a child I didn't enjoy, like you know, I finally came around on. I'm worried that one day I'm going to wake up and I'm just going to like liver. Like I'm just going to decide that day that I like liver. But it's never happened for me. Every now and then I'll go back and try a mushroom. I'm like nope, still don't like it. Hmm. Or I'll um I don't even like mufaladas and I love had New good Orleans. Mushrooms. No, that's not it. I've had all kinds of mushrooms. They just don't do anything for me. There's the, there's no flavor. There's no tech. It's just gross. They just they offer nothing to society. Salted mushrooms, not bad. N- no, they just yeah. offer nothing to society, yeah. and that's fine. It's what it is. The point being, sure, go ahead with Ronald Darby, but again, not because it's the situation you want to be in. It's the situation that you're in. That's the reality. Chuck Pagano will talk to us about that. Navy football coach Brian Newberry. They're getting ready to head out to uh, Dublin. For a week zero matchup with Notre Dame, we got to decide a picks punishment here in the next week. Uh, Glenn has to eat mushrooms. No, I guess. That's one the... week. Yeah, what, I don't think it's going to work for everybody. <laughs> You're like, I love mushrooms. Get out of here. One week from today, we will make our first picks of the season because we have personalized Navy, punishments. Would you chill? Okay. You getting all? Glenn has to eat olives and mushrooms. We figure out what everyone hates. Yeah. And just, everybody's got their own. Um. Yeah. Next. Uh. Next Saturday, Navy Notre Dame from Dublin. We'll talk to Brian Newberry about that, and uh, we'll wrap up, wrap up the show with a trip to Bowie to chat with Keegan Gillies of the Bay Sox. So that's all coming oh, up on the program well. today. 
Right. Yes, we will do that. There is a fight this weekend. Yes, there in fact. is. Um, today's show is brought to you by Superbook. Keep trying to tell you. Don't know what you're waiting for. Superbook.com or download the Superbook app. Use the code GlennClark23. Sorry, don't use GlennClark22. That will get you nothing. GlennClark23, however, will help you out greatly because it will get you a first bet match up to 250 bucks. I keep trying to tell you, go pick something that's a sure thing. Whatever it is. I, I, I don't even know what the other week zero college football matchups are. You know what? Let's have some fun here, right? Let's just for funsies, right? It's just us. It's just us gals, right? It's just us, just us ladies. Let's let's go ahead and look up some odds for week zero. Let's see. Hang on, no, 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 chill, 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 chill. I'm, what? Yeah, I'm looking up. I'm on Superbook.com. Um, now let's go to college football. Ooh, and, sure thing. I got a sure thing for sure. Oh, the money lines aren't out yet. Sorry, unfortunately, only the uh, um, spreads. Because uh, I was going to say, just take somebody. USC's playing San Jose State. That seems like that would qualify. Yeah. I, I don't know what the uh, that one's uh, doesn't even have a spread yet. I, don't I know see minus thirty. Are you on Superbook? Uh, yeah, no, that's I'm sorry, I'm not using Griffin. Yeah, you I, don't I go nowhere it. besides Superbook. I any understand. Longer. I understand. All right. I, I see my error. It's the only <laughs> thing that we care about now is Superbook. Got it. Yes. Thank you. Yes, sir. Superbook. Nothing else. The biggest spreads for week zero, and uh, that's week one, Arkansas State, Oklahoma. The biggest spreads for week zero are, well, unfortunately, Navy Notre Dame's the biggest spread. Hawaii Vanderbilt, which seems odd. Vanderbilt's not good either, but I get it. Hawaii's kind of a disaster at the yeah. moment. Um, yeah. Ooh, ooh, there's yeah, the one. I- Kent State, Central Florida. UCF is a five-touchdown favorite against Kent State. Now, I'm not telling you to bet that, but if you want to, you can. What I'm saying is, wait, find out what the money line is and put in a $250 bet on the money line. It might only win you a couple of bucks. It might be a $3 win. But the point is, you're also going to get out of it $250 worth of free bets. Now, I get it. If you're a gambler, you say, Glenn, this is stupid. This I, this isn't about being a gambler. It's about, in a way, playing your odds. It's about how do I go about coming away with two hundred fifty dollars worth of free bets, and you can do that. Like it's that's totally fine. Superbook.com, first bet match up to two hundred fifty dollars if you use the code, and that's win or lose. If you use the code GlennClark23, again, that's GlennClark23. Hope you didn't use that bet on the Orioles last night. Mm. Um, an unpleasant evening. I, I'm in a weird spot. Because as much as we've talked about the pitching and do the Orioles have the pitching to, to hold up and can they get enough innings out of this, of late it has felt more like the issue has been the other side of the ball which has been the offense. Dean Kramer Dean Kramer was not brilliant last night but ultimately gave you a quality start and an opportunity to win and while I get it you were facing Blake Snell this has been kind of prolonged for the Orioles now offensively. The Orioles have not scored 5 runs in a game since last Thursday against the Astros. On this road swing 0 for 6 
scoring five runs in a game. Now, I get it. That's six games. That's not the end of the world. It's not a massive sample size. And I also understand that they face good pitching. However it worked out, it seemed like they were facing all of the best pitchers. So I'm not panicked about it. I'm not, and they've somehow managed to go three and three during that stretch. There's nothing here to panic about. They, the Rays did get back within two games of them, however, because the Rays won yesterday. But you do file away this sort of feeling of, is this a young team that's not used to playing this many games that matter, big situations, major league pitchers adjusting to what they've seen from this young team, and at some point, do they hit a little bit of a wall? Last night on 105.7 The Fan, we were having this conversation, and it was a reminder that while we all know it's unreasonable to talk about the Orioles as like a World Series favorite or even a likely World Series winner, we're also filing away, but hey, they're there, so why not go ahead and try to do it? But the reality is not only because we don't feel the, the former just because there are other good baseball teams. Part of the reason we, why we feel the former is because it doesn't happen this way. Teams don't just break through and win the World Series. Even the past rebuilding efforts that we believe the Orioles were attempting to mimic, those teams, the Astros, had to go and lose in the playoffs and get a little battle-tested, and get a little more long-season experience, and push their innings up from their pitching, and have before they were able to turn around and go take the next step and ultimately win a World Series. The Cubs the same way. It's There's a reason this is unlikely. Now, I don't know if that's what's going on right now, or again, it just so happens to be a group of six games, all out on the West Coast. The West Coast thing is always weird for East Coast teams. Most of these games have been at night. I think the only one that was the afternoon game was the Sunday game. I mean, last night was not as late, obviously. It was 8.40 Eastern time. And by this point, you'd like to think that you'd be adjusted to Pacific time if you were you know, out there for a week. It might just be circumstantial that this is the week. And again, the pitching's been really good. They faced a lot of good pitchers during the course of this week. I'm trying to remember who all of them were. It was Snell, obviously. Kirby. Kirby, who was brilliant. Right. Darvish, of course, was the one that they, I say, got to. But, you know, they scored four runs. It's not like they... Waka was great last night. Waka was tremendous the night before, obviously. I don't even remember who the other two starters were in Seattle because my brain does not file away those things, unfortunately, the same way as they used to. But they've all been good starters. Like, they've all... uh, Bryce Miller was the Sunday yes. starter, right? And then who was the Friday starter? Uh, oh, man, I can't remember. And it was a game that uh, you bought, you bailed on because the Orioles were, yes. were yeah. getting drubbed pretty early, and it just didn't seem worth it. Was it uh, Castillo was the yes, starter last it was. Friday? It was Luis Castillo. Good job. These are all pretty good pitchers. Like, let's be fair. Nothing worth getting worked up about in context. And if the Orioles go this weekend to Oakland and do what they should do for three games in Oakland and score a bunch of runs and batter the athletics and win like this is this is the awkward part for them going into this weekend series. Even one loss would be disappointing. 
because the Athletics are just a team you've got to pummel. Right. You, you only get so many opportunities to just pummel teams to have the schedule ease up slightly. You just need to go pummel the Athletics and make sure that you, at worst, don't lose any ground and try to gain a game or so back this weekend because you get a serious break in your schedule. Um, if they go do that over the course of these three days, if they go score, you know, 14 runs, 5-5-4 five, five, and four or more over three games, then we're not going to have any of these concerns anymore. They'll come back to Baltimore and we'll feel good again about the offense. Obviously, there are more significant culprits. Until last night, Adley Rutschman had really struggled on this road trip. Is is he, is the burden of being a catcher that's also a leadoff hitter, an offensive force for a team, is that catching up with Adley Rutschman late in the season a little bit? Anthony Santander post-All-Star break has not been very good. I'll pull up the splits. I saw somebody. I think it was our buddy Paul Valley. In fact, yeah, who Paul shared was. Uh, it. I mean, he, and he was putting out Austin Hayes as well. I mean, um, well, Austin Hayes. We like that. Yeah. That one's been, I think, more pronounced. Austin Hayes has been an obvious problem. And again, this goes back to the unfortunate part where this is now back-to-back seasons where Austin Hayes has been this guy. And at some point, does it factor into your long-term plans with Austin Hayes? Do you say to yourself, eh? He's batting 175. Who? Santander. Santander, 175 since the All-Star break. I mean, again, the month leading up to the All-Star break, Anthony Santander was arguably your best player. Ryan Mountcastle can't carry this team alone. They've They've got problems offensively. They are not getting complete seasons from much of anyone. I mean, any there's there's no one offensively who has been really good from day one to now. And I get it. That's that's not that's baseball, right? There's very few places where you're going to find guys that are as good from day one till late in the season. There are ups and downs, ebbs and flows. I understand all of those things. But unfortunately, right now they're in a spot where there's only like one guy that's hot. And everybody else has been kind of meh. And, you know, could you try to inject some young player into this thing? I, I, it's not going to be Jackson Holiday. God bless you guys. It ain't going to be who's Jackson say, who's Holiday. Who's saying Jackson Holiday? There, of course, every, it comes up constantly that Jackson Holiday is murdering the baseball at Double A. It's insane what Jackson Holiday is doing. And, of course, Manny Machado got called right up from AA to the major mm-hmm. leagues in the midst of a playoff race in 2012, in August of a playoff race in 2012. I guess. It's not unprecedented, the concept, but it, I just don't see it in any way. Yeah, ease him in, start against the Athletics. I don't see yeah. it being Heston Kirsten. And part of the reason why I don't see it being those guys is because of the examples of the guys that came before them. That the burden of expectation to come in and immediately provide that injection. Somebody would point out, you know, Gunnar Henderson was pretty good when he got called up last year, but Jordan Westberg struggled when he came up. Colton Kowser obviously struggled when he come up, came up. Typically, it takes guys a little while to adjust to major league pitching. So I don't think the offensive injection comes internally. I think it's going to have to just be that some of this group of guys that's been scuffling of late, they got to find it. 
I'm not panicked about it. I think there are enough guys that have had ups and downs and ebbs and flows that I can assume that they're not all just going to fall apart between now and the end of the regular season. But it's they're going to have to prove that, right? Like that's the burden is they have to prove that they are capable of withstanding offensively until this thing is over. And all of these are factors that go into long-term decisions that this club is going to have to make about players. The guys, uh, Luke Jackson and I were having a conversation about this group of guys before, and we were kind of labeling them the survivors, right? Like the guys that came from the previous era of the previous regime, the Orioles have to make decisions about because those guys you start getting closer to. Who's really a part of it? Who's not? Well, during the course of the season, any one of those guys, whether it's Mountcastle or Santander or Hayes or Mullins, any one of them, we've said to ourselves, well, that guy's worthy of sticking around for a, a while. But at the end of the season, the Orioles will have to make some of those decisions and start thinking about who is a trade chip, what their core is, what their nucleus is. And if they're hell-bent on Colton Kowser, for example, being an everyday player next season then someone won't be. And again, at the moment, it's a tough look for Austin Hayes because it's back-to-back years where you're great, great for the first half of the season. And then something happens. And I don't know that that means that Austin Hayes can't fix that or figure it out, but I think there's a bit of a spotlight on him the rest of the way because if we get to the end of the season and that's the story for him, in back-to-back years, is he wasn't remotely the same player offensively in the second half of the year as he was the first year, then I think it weighs on you as you remember that you want Colton Kowser to be an everyday player next season. And I don't know what Austin Hayes' mar- you know, value would be on a trade market because the other teams also have access to the internet. They can click on that splits tab the same way that Griffin and I are capable of clicking on the splits tab. But... You might at least have to find out. And again, it might be that there's a team that's on another end that says, let's let's take it as a project and see what happens there. Day off today, series in Oakland that starts tomorrow. Pitching not nearly as good that you'll be facing in Oakland this weekend. Great time to get the bats going, to wake up a little bit, to forget that this dip ever occurred. You hope that proves to be the case. Orioles have also lost two out of their last three series. That's not something they've done a lot this season. That's a bummer. No way of getting around it. Got to change it. Athletics have not announced who their pitchers are for the weekend. It'll be Gibson, Irvin, and Bradish for the Orioles for the three in Oakland. And then they'll have the day off on Monday. All right, today's show brought to you by your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Don't turn my mic off. I'm I'm the guy that's doing the talking. Very awkward. Today's show is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota de- dealer today. Did not even bring up... Um, Fujinami, during that uh, conversation, saw a lot of people talking about 
that Fujinami can no longer be a, a leverage guy. I mean, I, I hear you. But but who are you confident in as a leverage guy? Like, that's kind of the reality of the situation. I, I, I don't, they don't, if they had more leverage guys, then they'd be in a better position to say this guy can't be a leverage guy. We thought that maybe CNL Perez was moving back into the regular, ready to be a leverage guy, and then CNL Perez, Perez proceeded to throw a ball away and fall asleep while watching someone stealing home plate. That was not. I mean, it was one of the worst, like, moments. I get it. There haven't been a lot of bad moments this season. It's arguably the worst moment of the season. I don't even know what the competition would be. What else would be the uh, worst moment of the season? I mean, I mean, there's like the, the I guess the Grand Slam against Houston, right? Like, yeah, yeah. The Kyle any, any, Grand any of, Slam. Any of Bautista's uh, blown save. But I he's guess. been so good right. that like it's hard to. McKenna. CNL Perez. Oh, in the, in the beginning of the season, yeah. Yes. You know what? That probably is the answer. <laughs> kind of just dropping the final out of the game. CNL Perez just stood there. Just stood there. Weird man. Really weird. All right, uh, I have been diving into this book. Uh, I read the Joey Votto chapter so far. Looking forward to more of it. It's called Smart, Wrong, and Lucky. Joining us now to tell us more about that and the updated prospects list, he is our friend Jonathan Mayo from MLB.com, MLBpipeline.com. Jonathan, it's Glenn. It's always good to catch up. Thank you for taking the time for us this morning. Are you guys complaining about a team that has the best record in the American League it's right not, now? It's Is not that complaining. What I'm no, no, no. It's not complaining, Jonathan. D- did all you see right. this? Did all you right. see this last night? They- I don't. I, I didn't see it. All I know is six twelve winning percent. I That's understand I- that, and we're all very happy about that. I want to make that very clear. <laughs> but I don't care what your winning percentage is when you stand there and do nothing after throwing the ball away on a pickoff attempt. When you stand there and do nothing and simply watch Fernando Tatis steal home plate without even a throw to the catcher, I don't care who you are. Like, that can't happen in baseball. That's absurd. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't mean to make you go off again. I'm sorry. sorry. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Um, uh, diving in, uh, and you and I had yeah. talked about the book before and the concept, and I really I think the concept is fascinating. I will tell Orioles fans that Adam Lowen's name comes up a few times in the Joey Votto chapter that I've been reading. Um, uh, uh, he was the hotly sought-after Canadian prospect at that time. I, I, I think I, what I've enjoyed most about this book is like questioning myself, could a story like this happen today? Could there be a player that remains this far under the radar in a modern time where everybody's putting videos on the Internet? Like, Could the Joey Votto story happen in 2023? So, no, not in that way. I think other stories in the book could, you know, the guys who just happen to be late round picks who end up being better than you think they are, you know, for whatever, for a variety of reasons, you know, like Ian Kinsler played at three different colleges and that's a big reason why he kind of flew way under the, under the radar. You know, he switched to a different area entirely. So that kind of thing could still happen. You know, with Joey Votto, you know, the Reds kind of hit him. Uh, to, to give listeners a rough, very, very sort of bird's eye view of what, what happened, even from their own general manager. And no, I, I, don't, I think a, 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 the Joey Vados of the world today are seen much more. Uh, they play a lot more in showcases. Someone would have seen that hitting talent uh, and, and given him 
you know, even if he didn't have the financial wherewithal, probably would have given him more more opportunities to to showcase in front of a lot more people. So it's unlikely um, that that kind of thing could happen again. I, I really, I, I genuinely love the poker aspect of it. The like we, you know, like not allowing a second scout to be there to watch. It's I love that, right? Like that we like this guy and we want to see this guy. But we don't want to like this guy too much. Like we don't. I I absolutely right, we, love we that story. Right. We don't want anybody to know that we like this guy, uh, and uh, which they didn't really have to worry about that much uh, because there weren't that many other teams. It's really just the Yankees uh, who really were in in on Joey Votto. You know, the Blue Jays at the time were kind of full on college performer, or not. They wouldn't. You know, so they didn't. They didn't even really have him evaluated until the very end where there was some industry buzz about him, but they were never going to take him because they weren't taking high school players. Smart, Wrong, and Lucky, again, is the book. And, Jonathan, for, for, for me, I'm not going to do a, bad enough, a good enough job of describing the entirety of the story, but remind everybody about what's coming for me as I continue to dive into this book. Yeah, it's all stories of guys who, like Joey Votto, uh, were you know, undervalued or underappreciated as amateurs, and and kind of telling their sort of, you know, call them origin stories. It shows the, the Marvel, you know, movie fan that I am. But, um, uh, but you know, how they were discovered, how they were scouted and evaluated and eventually drafted and signed. And, you know, the, the stories vary from, you know, the sort of uh, espionage quality of the, of the Joey Votto story to, you know, just a scout seeing something in a very raw Lorenzo Kane out of high school. Uh, you know, and, and back then when they had the, the old draft and follow where you could then send a guy to junior college and signing him for $95,000. And I, I mentioned Kinsler, who started at junior college, then was at Arizona State and lost his starting spot to a, a, a little-known infielder named Dustin Pedroia. Uh, and then he transferred to Missouri, where nobody knew who he was. Uh, you know, all stories like that. And it's not about the player development side, uh, where – you know, those folks and the players particularly get all the credit for putting in the work to exceed expectations, but really starting from uh, the scouting side, largely through the eyes of the scouts, but uh, more often than not also getting the perspective of the player in terms of what that process was like. All right, Jonathan Mayo with us here on GCR. We'll link up the book at uh, Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. Jonathan, updated lists, not only the updated top 100 list, but update, updated team lists and uh, organizational rankings, and that's good news for the Orioles. Um, I, I guess we start – I don't even know what else we, you and I can say about Jackson Holiday at this point. It's absurd what he's doing. It's, it's insane. I still don't think that there's any world in which the Orioles try to squeeze him in now, but, like I, – I, I don't know. We start to think that, like, maybe it's not insane to think he could be here by, like, May. Like, it's – it's just bonkers what this guy is doing in the minor leagues. I, I think every last time I joined you, what did I say? Maybe mid the other right. Because we were at the point now, at that point, we thought, you know what, 2024 seems reasonable, but maybe what, midseason? Yeah. Um, uh, he's hitting currently, he's got a 975 ops in double A in 21 games. I mean, it's just stupid. Uh, you know, could he handle a promotion? Sure but there's no reason to, um, you know, unless you want him to touch triple A to end the year. But I, I think May is doable. I think it's going to, it's going to come down to, you know, you make room for a Jackson holiday 
But in this organization where there's so much depth up the middle with some very talented players, um, you need to make sure that there's a clear path. Um, and I don't know if that means that, you know, you, you trade from that depth during the off season uh, to find some starting pitching, uh, whatever it is they feel that they need, uh, depending on how things go this year. Uh, you know, you want to make sure when you call him up, he's, you know, he, he's going to play every day. And then it's a question of where is he going to play every day? And, uh, they'll find room, but, uh, you know, there's no need to rush him. Uh, don't, you know, they can give him a few extra reps and he doesn't turn 20 until December. Uh, so he, he's so far ahead of the curve that like they, they don't have to, they can let his performance dictate when that's going to happen. And, you know, and since the team is playing so well, um, there isn't this like, oh, we better get them up here. We need, we need that boost. We need that energy. We need something to bring fans in, whatever it is. So it's kind of a perfect storm for the Orioles right now. So what you just said there about the path is obviously interesting because we continue to see Joey Ortiz on this list. Joey Ortiz is 25 years old, has proven everything that he could possibly prove in the minors, and yet he's still there. And it's I, I'm not suggesting that the Orioles should have just made a trade for the sake of overpaying but, you know, hell, they, they might have overpaid for Jack Flaherty, right? Like, that hasn't worked out so well so far. At, at some point, it really does feel like th this is almost getting to theater of the absurd, where why is a player like this still in your minor leagues not helping you in any way when he's 25 and, and probably can be used in some sort of way to either improve, you know, another area of your team? I, I, I don't know, man. I, I, it's weird to me. Yeah, I mean, without without having been you know, part of the conversations, right? We don't we don't know what was talked about. Maybe there just wasn't a fit, right? Um, you know, uh, yes, Jack Flaherty hasn't you know that hasn't worked out, but they didn't really give up a ton. Uh, you know, I know Drew Rom has been throwing very well since the trade, but uh, you know, they managed to find some help or what was perceived to be you know some potential help in an area of need without touching the top of their system, you know, talent wise. And uh, I, I think they, they did that very well. And then they still have, you know, Joey Ortiz, Connor Norby, Jordan Westberg, you know, has graduated off the list, but like all that talent, uh, you know, up the middle in the infield, you know, Norby can play the outfield shore. Um, you got Kobe Mayo at the, at the corners. I mean, it's, it, it, it is an embarrassment of riches. And I think there will come a time where they will have to decide what to do. I mean, Joey Ortiz could probably be a starting shortstop for many, many other major league teams right now. Yeah. Um, the other, the other interesting part about the guys that are still in there, Samuel Basayo seems as though he's flown up this list. And again, it, this is a good problem to have when you have one, a catching prospect behind one of the best catchers in baseball, but I, like this isn't just a a neat story anymore. Like this is a top fifty guy from you guys now. Um, how has this happened that Samuel Basayo has moved up so rapidly? Well, it's mostly just he's performed, right? I mean, he he got seven figures to sign. You know, so he at the time that was the largest international bonus the Orioles had ever given. Now that was a low bar to clear, yeah, uh, given the previous regime, but. Uh, what he has done is really, especially offensively, 
is hit, you know, and he, he's kind of hit the ground running here. I mean, he earned a promotion up to, to high A. Uh, again, he's just turned 19 like a few days ago. Happy birthday, Samuel. Nice. Um, and, uh, you know, there's still work to be done on his receiving. The throwing is very, very good. And then you worry about, you know, I think they thought, all right, we're, we're getting this young teenage catcher. It's going to take him a long time. He's maybe sped things up a little bit by moving quickly, but he could start back in high A next year. Um, and then they can sort of decide eventually uh, what happens in terms of having Adley Rutschman, at, you know, at, at the big leagues. And by then they'll have a better – I think assessment of Basayo's catching and whether or not like, all right, is he going to stay there? Do you want to move him to first base? Um, you know, uh, obviously that could cause some other log jams depending on where Kobe Mayo plays. Uh, again, it's a good problem to have. You don't have to worry about him, about Basayo just yet. I think, you know, there's another at least full year. Um, although with the way things have been going in terms of how the Orioles have developed players, um, and that's something I don't think we've talked in, enough about, you know, we've talked about how they've acquired players and picking at the top of the draft and making really good selections, finding guys even a little bit later on and, and being active internationally, but their player development folks are just doing fantastic work in helping these players reach their potential, it seems. And, uh, that's really uh, an important piece of the puzzle as well. Let me. You brought up Kobe Mayo. Any concern at all about the start he's off to at AAA? No. Okay. I mean, I you know to be honest with you, I haven't even seen it. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not. I'm not too worried. Um, I think the fact of the matter is that he's probably been a he was a better hitter in Bowie than I expected because he's a power over hit guy. Right. He's gonna he's gonna figure it out. He's 21. You know, I think there's a combination of there's you know some approach things that have probably come to the fore a little bit as he's gotten to that upper level. And I don't, you know, if you're that age and you get to triple a, you can smell the big leagues and without having talked to anybody in the Orioles organization, if this is just a matter of him trying to mash his way to Baltimore and doing too much, I would believe it, but I'm not, it's too, it's got 93 at bats there. Uh, you know, I'm not, the slightest bit concerned. I get it. I get it. Um, all right. The one guy I wanted to bring up, their first-round pick, Enrique Bradfield. Obviously, Jonathan, we're so used to, like, in the last couple of years, the Orioles draft a player and he immediately is in your top 100 prospects because, you know, the Orioles have been picking at the top of the draft. Um, that's not the case anymore. Enrique Bradfield's interesting because the speed is obvious, the defense is obvious. I, I don't really know if the bat is obvious. Like, what is Enrique Bradfield, who is in your, you know your top ten prospects Orioles wise? But what do you think Enrique Bradfield is as a prospect? That's a really good question, right? If you believe in Enrique Bradfield, he's Kenny Lofton. Okay, you know, I, I um, take it. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's it's really gonna what it's gonna he's gonna put the ball in play. He's going to get on base. As you said, it's the you know, top of the scale speed, and he knows how to use it on both sides of the ball. This isn't a guy in center field who outruns mistakes and reads and routes. He's a tremendous outfielder, even without the speed. And then add in the 80 speed. Uh, he could play center field in the big leagues right now. Uh, he's that good. It's all going to come down to impact. He does not have to hit home runs. I, like, I don't want people 
you know, we talk about this all the time in terms of, uh, off, you know, impact. You just got to m- make sure that when you get to the big leagues, the bat's not getting knocked out of your hand, you know, because at a certain point in time, you can't hit a ground ball to shortstop and, and beat it out regularly. And, uh, you know, he can flare the ball here and there. He just needs to be able to drive the ball to the gaps on occasion, turn on some balls and hit it, hit it hard down the line. Because what he will then do is turn doubles into triples all the time. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe run into a ball here or there. Uh, just even, And he had added a little bit of strength going into his junior year. He didn't have a very good year at Vanderbilt this last year. I don't know if he was trying to, you know, muscle up a little bit more. Um, but that's going to be the biggest issue in terms of what he ends up being. You know, can he be Kenny Lofton? Is he more like a Juan Pierre kind of player? And I know Juan Pierre had, you know, a fine big league career, but it was a different time. And, uh, and, and Bradfield's got a, a decent approach, um, which probably makes it better than you know, Juan Pierre kind of swung at everything. Um, and, and like I said, I've worked for him for quite some time, but I, I think that's what you're looking at. And there have been plenty of guys over the course of the history of baseball who have that kind of speed, uh, who, you know, doesn't work because they, they're not impacting the ball regularly enough at Jonathan Mayo on Twitter is how you give him a follow. Of course, MLB pipeline, MLB.com and pick up smart, wrong and lucky available. Now, anything else I can plug for you, sir? No, man, it's all about the book these days. Go get it. Yeah. Great stories. And a reminder that yes, the uh, Orioles were in love with Adam Lowen and could have had Joey Votto, but we'll definitely never think about that ever again. Jonathan Mayo, always appreciate you, man. Thank you for taking the time for us this morning. Thanks for having me. Jonathan Mayo with us here on GCR. I was going to say we could squeeze in a break, but I don't think we can squeeze in a break. I think uh, I ran right through that. Tends to happen when I'm chatting with Jonathan Mayo. How dare he challenge me complaining? Yes, I'm going to complain anytime. I have to witness a guy steal a home plate when the pitcher does nothing. I'm going to do that. I don't care who you are. You could be Roger Clemens. I'm going to complain about it. It can't happen, ever. Just a sleepwalky, grotesque inning last night as the Orioles seemed like they were maybe trying to figure out a way to get back into it after the Mountcastle home run. <laughs> Not meant to be. Even the one that uh, Westberg sent out the right field in the ninth inning where you're like, ooh, ooh, maybe there's still some life here. Nope. Not the case. Not the case. All right. Thanks, Jonathan Mayo. Uh, today's show is also brought to you by the Stan the Fan Variety Hour. Stan was back in action last night as he and Gary Stein caught up with John Kelly, the chairman of the Maryland Cycling Classic, which is back in just a couple of weeks. Labor Day weekend in Baltimore County and Baltimore. You can find that show, facebook.com slash pressboxsports. Click on the videos tab, youtube.com slash pressboxonline or pressboxonline.com slash video. Stan the Fan Charles, Gary Stein, and John Kelly, the chairman of the Maryland Cycling Classic. Let's switch gears. A lot of consternation in Baltimore yesterday. Marlon Humphrey going to be out for an amount of time. What that amount of time is, we don't know. But an amount of time... John Harbaugh says he doesn't think it's long-term, but the Ravens don't have much at the cornerback position until 
he's back. How concerned should we be? Joining us now, of course, former Ravens defensive coordinator and Colts head coach, a man whose work you, of course, enjoy on the Pat McAfee program. He is our friend, Mr. Chuck Pagano, and he is back with us now here on GCR. Coach, it's always great to catch up. Thank you for taking the time for us this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Hey, everything good? What's what's going on with Chuck Pagano these days? Oh, man, life, life's great. We uh, we welcomed our uh, second grandson, fifth oh, grandchild man. total into the world yesterday. Congratulations, Bodie, Coach. Uh, Bodie, uh, Bodie Otto. Yeah, so we got another boy. You know, it was all girls, right? I had three daughters and three granddaughters, and finally my youngest, Tori, um, uh, had a had a son, Bear, who'll be three in October. So we just welcomed our fifth grandchild into the into the world. So blessed, man. We're we're doing great out here in Idaho. Man, I, I get a little emotional because I remember it, it was very moving uh, hearing you talk about the importance of dancing at your daughter's wedding, and um, to, to now have you talk about your grandkids, man. That is a that is a special thing, and uh, makes me really happy to hear you say that. Congratulations, Coach. That is awesome. Thank that you. Is Thank so you. Cool. Appreciate it. Um, Coach, I'm going to present you a, a thought, right? And I just, I just want to hear you, you, you know, your thoughts about it because the Ravens this off season, it was a very interesting thought process that they had, where they were dealing with this Lamar Jackson situation. They invested more than we've probably ever seen before in the history of the franchise. Another first round pick at wide receiver and a free agent splash with Odell Beckham. And then on the defensive side of the ball, they watched Calais Campbell depart. They watched ultimately Justin Houston depart. They watched Marcus Peters depart. They did bring in Rocky Sin, so it's not like they did nothing, but that was it. They didn't in, in do anything on the other side of the ball to replace these other players. And I wondered if and it, they, they couldn't ever say this, and I know why a team couldn't say this publicly because you can't have the guys on that side of the ball hear this, but I wonder if internally there was a conversation that was just, hey, the pendulum's swinging a little bit. And a franchise that has always been so based on defense, if Lamar Jackson's going to make this much money, we got to swing that pendulum a little bit more to the other side and say, hey, the offense is going to have to carry things a little bit more. Do you think there's a possibility that quietly that was what was going on here in Baltimore this offseason? Well, I think you see it all over the National Football League this price tag for these you know what we call blue quarterbacks these franchise quarterbacks the lamar jacksons of the world i mean 50 million i mean who knows in five years it's going to be 60 70 million uh a year for the, for these guys so i think it was obvious they had to go out through that whole negotiation to be able to get you know lamar's deal done to sign you know obj uh to go with mark andrews uh bateman Duvernay, then go draft, you know, Zay Flowers. So, and then with Todd Munkin coming in, you know, I talked to Harbaugh earlier in the year on a podcast and, and with the 33rd team and a little bit of a seismic shift in, in philosophy from, you know, heavy tight end centric offense and fullbacks and run game and things like that. They're still going to run it, but I think they're going to spread the, spread the, you know, thing out and, you know, make defenses defend every blade of grass. So, and then to the defensive side, to your point, you know, with the secondary and, and uh, losing the guys that they lost on defense and, you know, Marcus Peters is gone. Kyle Fuller, they brought in, who was a, a veteran, blew his knee out. He's still on the street. Now you got these guys beat up. The news about Marlon. Yeah, it just, you know, Mike McDonald 
and Chris Hewitt, the secondary guy, Denard Wilson's new coming in there, secondary guy, proven guy, really good football coaches. They're going to have to develop young guys uh, the way this thing's going. And so I think Mr. Bashotti has always been, you know, of that mindset. John's always been that mindset and, and they'll do a great job and, they're going to get tested early, obviously. Um, and look, you know, you ho- we don't know where Joe Burrow is going to be by week two, but my gosh, the thought of, you know, this current Ravens secondary out there against Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd in week two, that is, it is almost a terrifying thought. I, I guess let me go to that. If, if you're Mike McDonald, is it, hey, I've got to dial up more pressure now because it is what it is? Is it simply these are the guys we have. I'm forced to trust them. Let's do everything the exact same way that we would if Marlon was out there and hope for the best. How do you, how do you handle it when you lose a player like this that's so important to what it is that you're doing? Yeah, I think there has to be a, a fine balance because you can go uh, too heavy one way or the other, right? You can sit back and say, okay, we got uh, a bunch of young players, inexperienced guys, guys that haven't played. Rock your sin, you know, he's played. He's got five years' experience. Um, he's beat up right now. But we can play a lot of zone coverage. We can play a lot of shell coverage, depend on our front, uh, the strength of our defense, our linebackers, Roquan and, and Pat Queen, uh, and play cover two, protect those guys, um, play some, you know, some soft zone coverage. But then if you don't get home, you don't get to the quarterback, you know, then they pick you apart especially a Joe Burrow and, and the receiving core that you mentioned in Cincinnati, or you go the other way too heavy. And, and we know they love the pressure. We've always loved the pressure there. You know, they've always loved the pressure there. That's been their identity uh, to your point earlier. So I think it's a, it's a balance. Um, I think this offense with Lamar and the weapons that they have and JK's back, Gus Edwards, Lamar, they're going to be able to score points. So you can go in and say, okay, the other thought is, we can go like the New Orleans Saints, won a Super Bowl, right, mm-hmm. in 2009? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and Sean, Sean Payton was like, hey, look, Greg Williams was the D.C. I don't think they ranked in the top 25 in defense, but they led the league in turnovers and takeaways. So it was like, hey, get the ball back for us. You know, make, you know let's, let's get an early outcome, good or bad. You know, either sack the quarterback, a strip sack, an interception, a pick six, where we give up a big play. Sean didn't care. That was their formula. So a lot of different ways to, uh, to attack this. I think they'll, they'll, they'll have a nice balance, you know, with it. And, and those young players are going to have to look, they only had what 14 picks last year, 14 takeaways, mm-hmm. interse- uh, interceptions, you know, and Marlin is a turnover machine, and, you know, so they don't have him. Uh, Rocky Sims got two career interceptions. Those the other young Pepe's hurt. I know that Brandon's, even doesn't have any, you know, JAD, uh, Armour Davis doesn't have any interceptions. So they're going to have to try to create a way to, to force some turnovers and get the ball back to this offense. He is Coach Chuck Pagano. He's with us here on GCR. Let me, let me follow up on two things that you brought up there, one, because, Coach, I've, I've said this kind of out loud a lot recently. I, the, it's Again, it's interesting what the Ravens did this offseason because in the previous years they had said out loud – hey, we believe that the way to build a defense is from outside in, that analytically the best way to build a defense is to make sure you're strong in the secondary and deep in the secondary, and then they didn't do that this year. I have felt, and you know, with public examples, when the Ravens were able to beat the Chiefs a couple years ago, it was because Adafi Owe got in at the end of the game and made a game-changing play to knock the ball out. Um, we saw the Super Bowl a couple years ago, and what it is that the Rams were able to do late 
in order to put away the the Bengals. For as much as a statistically good defense might be built outside in, it, it feels to me like the best the best thing you can do defensively, given the rules of the game anymore, is exactly what you're talking about. Just game-changing plays that when the game is on the line, somebody gets in the backfield and wrecks things for you. Somebody forces a turnover. It, it, what is a good defense anymore, Coach? Is it a good statistic defense, or is it a defense that is opportunistic and is playmaking? Yeah, a great question. If you can't get to the quarterback, I don't care how good you are in the back end. I don't how much care how much experience. It's hard to cover these dudes for right. for three seconds, and the ball's coming out so damn fast now. You know, two five, two six, two seven, but. Three seconds is hard, and then these athletic quarterbacks, you know, they're going to see two young quarterbacks, Houston, and then Indy, athletic quarterbacks that be able to extend plays. Now you're asking guys to cover for five, six, seven seconds? Right. It's impossible. So you have to have, to your point, those game wreckers, those game changers up front. And, you know, it's always been inside out. It's always been strong up the middle. A great interior D-line, edge rushers, a great middle linebacker, and a, and a great safety. You know, and then, but because everybody's always looking, hey, pass rushers and corners, right? We can never have enough edge guys and cover guys. And so to me, like, if you can't get to the quarterback, you know, if you've got the edge, edge guys and you can rush four and deploy seven in coverage, that's ideal. To me, that's ideal. Because then you ain't got to, like, just roll the dice and try to throw the kitchen sink at everybody and, and try to expose your, your, your guys in the secondary, especially young guys. You know, we saw early in the season where that happened, like at Miami. You got a big lead, and then, you know, you start doing some things and give up some huge plays to those guys and, and lose a game that you should have should have won. You, you roll the dice that way. So um, I just think with those edge guys that they have, Ojabu, Owe, uh, those guys are going to have to be able to get home because if you can't, it's hard to cover. I know your affinity for Roquan Smith, right? We've talked about it before, and look, we 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 almost maybe share the same affinity after we had high expectations. I told you, Coach, and he surpassed every single one of them a season ago. Um, you, the last time we talked, you 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 made a comparison. You echoed the name of someone that uh, obviously in Ray Lewis we hold to an extraordinary regard. Is it possible that Roquan Smith is that good? And look, the Ravens are paying him $20 million a year to play football, that he is so good and does so many things that his presence alone allows some of these other players to be better versions of themselves, to have more of the field to work with, whatever it is, that that you can get more out of these group of young players just because they are on the same field as Roquan Smith. Yeah, no doubt about it. And he's going to be even more comfortable, you know, going into his second year there. You know, coming in last year, you know, during the season with the trade and all that. Look, Roquan's worth every penny. He's a three-down linebacker. You, you never have to take that guy off the field. He's going to stand in front of that, uh, you know, in front of that defense, be the signal caller. Um, you know, Ray is obviously a, a special, special player, maybe – you know, the best, if you know, one of the best, if not the best, to ever play that position in the National Football League, right? History of the game. Rokon is just so talented and so smart. You just saw so many similarities, you know, at Chicago when I was with him, the way he studies the game. He's got such a high football IQ. I mean, that's that's it for him. He knows before the ball snaps what the hell's going on. And then with his skill set, 
yeah, everybody else, he's going to, the way he plays the game, uh, the energy he brings, the passion, the enthusiasm, uh, the football IQ, like I mentioned, that's going to raise the level. And, and young guys, especially if they got to open the season with those, with those young guys in, in the back end, um, you know, the guy can, the guy can do it all. You know, he's a, he's a hell of a blitzer. He's a hell of a cover guy versus the run. I mean, he's an animal beast coming downhill, making tackles. So, uh, yeah, him and him and queen, I mean, that's a good a tandem in the national football league that, that there is. Yeah, it was really special to watch those guys together a year ago. Um, coach, I guess last one for you, the, the idea that maybe the pendulum has to swing to the offense a little bit more. As we talked about, though, this is a new coordinator, um, a quarterback coming off a serious injury. Two of your top three receivers are coming off serious injuries, and the other one's a rookie. It, can, can that happen immediately, right? Like, is it possible that you can hit the ground running and already be there and with this offense ready to kind of carry things for this team? Or is that going to take a little bit of time and is there an argument maybe? Like the Ravens in the last couple of years have been allergic to playing guys in the preseason, and I get it, right? The J.K. Dobbins thing, him getting hurt in the preseason really seemed to be a line of demarcation. And I, I always get a little, you know, like I looked at Patrick Mahomes playing in the preseason. I'm like, what, what are you doing? Like what is the benefit there? But is there an argument that if you need the offense to help shoulder the load a little bit more, that maybe you do try to have these guys play a little bit in the preseason just to try to help that click a little bit quicker. Yeah, especially, you know, with a with a new offensive coordinator, new system, uh, terminology, getting those guys on the same page. You know, Lamar hadn't been there. You know, that chemistry is not quite there yet. So such a fine balance, you know, because you, you put those guys in and say, well, hey, we're going to get eight, ten plays out of them, one drive, take them down, Derek Carr, you know, for the Saints. Eight plays you know, 10 plays, 80 yards, touchdown, okay, boom, you're done. So is that enough? Probably not. But you've got, you know, got work done. Uh, you got put points on the goal. You feel good about yourself. So, um, yeah, with this new system, I think you've got to play those guys. You can protect them with play calls. You know, you don't have to put them in harm's way. You put Pat Mahomes out there, you throw a screen, the ball's out of his hand. You know, preseason they write hot potato on your, on your glove or on your wristband on your tape. I mean, just to remind you, like, get the damn ball out of your hand, Pat. So, Lamar, same thing. Hand it off, zone read, RPO, throw some screens, take a few shots down the field, and then get the heck out of there. But um, with that, you know, at Cincy, Houston and Indy, two rookie quarterbacks, but then at Cleveland, at Pitt, we're going to know a hell of a lot <laughs> about the, the, the AFC North early in the season you know, good or bad, right? So playing those three division teams all on the road, shoot, you got to – you because if you come out humming, you know, in the defense, you get some guys back on defense and you can start. We know how important those division games are. That's going to that's gonna be huge. I can't wait to see that play out. Coach Chuck Pagano. So, hey, what's the strategy as a grandfather? Is it, man, I'm here for everything, I'll even help out with diapers, or is it, hey, I happen to notice that uh, there's a diaper change that's needed, and you hand them right back now to your girls? Oh, yeah, all, all hands on deck right now. Because <laughs> Bear, my, my first grandson, Bear's a, a handful. He's going to be three, like I said, in October. Now he's got a new baby brother. So, yeah, it's all hands on deck, so. Whatever, whatever they need. My, my wife Tina, they call us. They call her Gigi. 
G for short, and I'm Pop. Oh, Papa, Pop for short. So it. whatever they need from G and Pop, I mean, like you said, we're we're blessed to be here, <laughs> to be around, to see this, and and help out. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. But like the like you said, the great thing you get to hand them off. That's the, the point. The right? Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, look, I'm I'm fortunate. My wife and I, we got an eight year old and a six year old, but we've got five grandparents here, right? And we are for our two kids. They're the only grandkids for all five grandparents, right? Her mom, her dad, her stepmother, my two parents. We we couldn't have more. I don't know how people do it without these circumstances because we yeah, have needed yeah. every ounce of it the entire time. Uh, Coach, so happy for you and your family. That's awesome, man. Congratulations. Always appreciate you taking time for us. Thanks so much for hopping on this morning. Hey, appreciate you guys. Always my pleasure. Take care. Thank you, sir. Coach Chuck Pagano, a uh, great man. Always appreciate him taking time for us. And um, I am I am more and more convinced. I bring up that last question about the preseason. I am still – it came up from a, a listener last night on the radio show as we were talking about this pendulum swinging concept, and I'm still going to tell you, nah. Like, I I get it. It's I understand the theory, but nah, not doing it. And I keep saying – Josh Allen's apparently going to play in the preseason. And all I can think is, like, what are you doing? I'm telling you, as I was talking, I, we had Kadri on last night. And as I'm talking to Kadri, I look up at the TV in the studio, and it's a replay of the NFL Network. On the NFL Network's replaying the uh, Saints game that I was watching on Sunday. And I'm bringing up the concept, and I'm looking up, and I'm watching the play where Patrick Mahomes is sliding on the turf <laughs> in the dome in the middle of the field with a defender coming right, like lowering as he's going to slide, and I'm just thinking to myself, like, I, I already know that he didn't get hurt on the play because it's a replay of the game. But as it's happening, I'm like, oh, you know. I was so I, I finally watched Hard Knocks last night, and it, it was the Panthers Jets game. Uh-huh. So the, the, in the Panthers, the Jets D line is amazing. Uh, like Will yeah, McDonald, Quinn Williams. Quinn Williams. Yep. So Bryce Bryce Young was. It looked like Bryce Young played the entire first quarter. They were showing highlights of him just getting mm-hmm. destroyed by the Jets D line, and I was just like, what? I mean, I do always think it's a little bit different for rookies because like you yeah. gotta you gotta just see what NFL speed is or whatever. Like but I I still hear you. After I one hear series, you. seeing him get hit three times, like, like is there any reward that right. makes even the slightest amount of risk worth it? And I just um, I don't feel it. I don't feel it. All right, let's do this. Let's grab a break quickly. When we come back in, Brian Newberry, Navy football coach, they're going to Dublin to play Notre Dame. We'll talk to him about it next. Glenn Clark Radio. Catch that festival feeling in Charm City. Everywhere you go, you'll find exciting entertainment, delicious eats, and endless summertime fun. Cheer on the O's at Camden Yards, pick crabs by the waterfront, beat the heat inside a world-class museum, and make memories that will last a lifetime. Go to Baltimore.org for more information and to plan your visit. It's game on every day at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Here, you are in on every play with 100-foot screens at Sports and Social, the best table games action, and FanDuel Sportsbook all just steps away. The best bar bites and drinks to indulge in steaks and curated cocktails. Your game day only gets better when matched up with Live's distinguished dining options. Late game? No problem. Our luxury hotel awaits. Live Casino and Hotel Maryland is the place to be on game day and every day. For more information, visit www.maryland.livecasinohotel.com. At Arundel Mills, must be 21, please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. All electronic tolling is here to stay in Maryland, and driveeasymd.com helps you cruise a little easier. We're Maryland's tolling resource, home to EasyPass, pay-by-play, and video tolling. It's never been easier to pay your way. driveeasymd.com will keep you moving. 
Orioles are off and running out to prove that last season wasn't a fluke and they are one of the best teams in baseball. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, host of the Bat Around for Press Box. Tune in every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon as Zach Goodman and I break down every Adley Bob, every Tony Tater, and every save from the mountain. Like a warm hug from Rutschman, the Bat Around has you covered with all things Orioles as we embark on what's sure to be a magical summer in Birdland. So tune in every Saturday for the best in Orioles coverage right here on the Bat Around. Picking a restaurant to try for the first time? Let's look at the Costas Inn. Here's a few checklist items. Quality of the food, check. Quality of service, check. Does restaurant have plenty of free parking? Check. And finally, does restaurant have delicious steamed crabs, crab cakes, crab soup, and specials galore? Check, check, check. Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard. They check all the boxes. The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Bo Smolka dives into what's next for Lamar Jackson after receiving one of the biggest contracts in football history. Is Lamar ready to take the Ravens to the next level, now with a new offensive coordinator and new wide receivers? Also inside, we look at what new football coaches Brian Newberry and Pete Shinnick bring to Navy and Towson, respectively. And we meet players from the college football and soccer programs around the state. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the O's, Ravens, and Serps at PressBoxOnline.com. Another exciting weekend of affordable family fun at Prince George's Stadium with the Bowie Bay Sox. It's the return of Grateful Dead Night on Friday the 18th. A special t-shirt package is available. Back-to-back fireworks carry on to Saturday the 19th with our Bates Overfest. Get some beer specials while you enjoy the game. And get here early on Sunday for a pre-game Meet the Team autograph session. Get your tickets now by calling 301-805-6000 or anytime online at BaySox.com. The Bowie Bay Sox. Let us be your nine-inning vacation. That first sip. That first bite mm. starts your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um, what's wrong with you? Josina Anderson from CBS This Morning tweets, In addition to free agent cornerback Ronald Darby, who is visiting the Ravens today, per Ian Rappaport, I'm told free agent cornerback Anthony Brown is a name that's on the team's radar, per source. We'll see that what that translates to, if anything at all. I'll, I'll update as I get more info. I'm running right now, which is it's, it's, it's interesting, fair. right? No, it's like, I appreciate that honesty. But I feel like we had dealt with this one time before with Josina Anderson, where like she tweeted something that had like three qualifiers to it. Like I feel like every time she says something, there's always these qualifiers. I'm told for agent cornerback is a name that's on the team's radar. That's one qualifier per source. That's not technically qualifier. We'll see what that translates to. <laughs> If anything at all. So, so is it? I'm told that there is a player in the NFL player pool <laughs> that... Um, Anthony Brown, I mean, this is the reality. It's sort of like comparing it to Ronald Darby. Anthony Brown suffered a torn Achilles in week 13 last year. Ronald Darby, of course, coming off a torn ACL. There's a reason why anybody that's a qualified you know, veteran cornerback that would be available right now, the reason why they're likely available is because they're hurt and teams aren't sure if they're going to be ready to go. The problem for the Ravens is 
they need cornerbacks now. Now, allegedly, according to Ian Rappaport, Ronald Darby is ready to go. I don't know where Anthony Brown is. Torn Achilles in week 13, it's certainly not impossible. We have seen players return in shorter amounts of time from injuries like that, but, you know, that's a serious injury to expect him to just be ready to go to play a football game in week one. To the point that we brought up yesterday, the Ravens are so thin at cornerback beyond just Marlon Humphrey that they need players for, like, later in the season, too. So if one of these guys can help, but it might take him a couple weeks, I'm not opposed to still signing them because before the Marlon Humphrey injury, the Ravens were thin at cornerback. But they really need somebody that can play week one and week two. And that's the tough part about looking at guys that are coming off of injuries, which, for the most part, is the guys that are available. So we'll see. I had to do this a little bit earlier on because of their practice schedule, but an opportunity to catch up with the head football coach at the Naval Academy, Coach Brian Newberry, here on GCR. We're joined now here on GCR by a man who's getting ready to make his debut as the head football coach at the Naval Academy. He's going to be headed over the pond in just a couple of days ahead of Week 0 against Notre Dame. He is Coach Brian Newberry, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Coach, it's Glenn. It's great to catch up. Thank you for taking the time for us. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me on. Hey, Coach, I wonder if you could, just from the day you got elevated into this role to now, is there something that you've already noticed is maybe even a little bit different than what your expectations were for taking on the head coaching job? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I, uh, you know, I think, um, you know, I've never um, enjoyed being a defense coordinator for a long, long time, and and being a head coach was, was never truly the, the end-all be all for me and really didn't start to have that desire truthfully or I start to wrap my mind around what that would look like until maybe the last three or four years and uh you know working for coaches I worked for you know great mentors and uh see the way that they did it uh, kind of inspired me to want to do it myself and I don't think you're ever fully prepared you know there's just there's things that, that, that come up you know almost on a, a daily or weekly basis that uh our new challenges and, and um, always trying to find solutions for them. And, but I tell you, it's been, it was a lot at first, uh, to be perfectly honest with you. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, when you're making staff changes and hires and, and uh, trying to lay out a, a plan and a vision uh, for your program, it was a lot initially. And, um, but I've, 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 um, it's gotten easier. I'll tell you that. And I'm, I'm starting to, you know, transition and enjoying it. Uh, now more so than I did, you know, the initial parts of it. Uh, and the one thing that I, that I did that's, is I hired a great staff and I got great coaches around me, which you know, makes my job much easier. And, and uh, but I don't think it could have gone a whole lot smoother than it has up until this point. I think we're kind of, you know, right where I hoped we would be, you know, when I took the job back in December. So um, certainly there's a learning curve to it and, and there's things that come up every day and, um, but that's part of it. And, but I've enjoyed the process and, and, and really starting to enjoy it. Yeah, obviously, it's a lot different than somebody who comes into a new place. And, and obviously, you had uh, yeah. not bad not bad leadership around you before that in order to try to make this role uh, more seamless. Coach, um, no, not at all. A nice, easy one for you to kick it off, though, right? Like a nice, real, low-key, yeah. easy, no-problem type <laughs> of game. I, I know these are yeah. exciting, and to be part of something like this is is incredible right like i understand that is there a part of you on the flip side that says like man i maybe maybe it wouldn't have been the worst idea for us to schedule an fcs team though for the first one <laughs> you know i you know a lot of people said that to me and and 
don't you wish you'd have had them a little bit later in the year? And, you know, Notre Dame's going to get better later in the year too, you know, just like we will. So, you know, I think if anything, you know, I think there's some, some advantages to playing them uh, in the opener for us, you know, being that I'm a new head coach here and uh, we've got new coordinators in place. Uh, it's probably a little bit more for them to chase, you know, than it is for us. And uh, just really excited about the opportunity to play them and um, in, in a venue like we're playing in. It's an awesome opportunity for our players and, and uh, for our fans. And I couldn't be more excited about the first game. I know your offensive coordinator recently said that the expectation is that you guys are going to play both quarterbacks against Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. I think we're all very familiar with Ty. I don't know that everybody is all yeah. that familiar with Blake. Um, yeah. what, what can you tell yeah. us about that young man and, and why it is that you want to see him on the field now this season? Yeah, well, Blake's, you know, essentially we don't redshirt here at the academy, but he'd be a redshirt freshman. Uh, but certainly we knew, you know, last year that he had some special talents and, um, you know, had an opportunity this spring uh, because Ty was coming off an ACL. He wasn't completely cleared yet. He was very, very limited. Uh, Xavier Arline was, was playing lacrosse, and, and he was banged up as well. So allowed him uh, an opportunity, and he, he took full advantage of it back in the spring. Uh, really, really improved and continued to, to do so, you know, throughout the all season and, and the summer workouts, and he's been really, really impressive. You know, my – hesitation was starting um Blake would be you know this would be his first college football game mm-hmm. uh, playing your first game in that kind of environment I don't know if it's fair to put that kind of pressure on him right out the gate um Ty's played in those kind of games um you know he's played in you know the Army Navy game he's played in the biggest venues and uh, biggest games of the year and so uh, you become cool collected and, and uh you know so I, I anticipate that both of them will play um, you know, likely Ty will start that game. We're still kind of working through that. but uh, So that's kind of where we're at with those two. Coach Brian Newberry from Navy is with us here on GCR as they get ready for Notre Dame in Week 0. Coach, with that in mind, is it the goal to con- continue playing both guys? Is your thought that at some point, you know, one of them is your starting quarterback? If, is that maybe a, hey, get back to me in two weeks and we'll talk about that then type of situation? Yeah, probably more of that, truthfully. You know, you, you, you love to have two guys that you feel good about playing, you know, because of the nature of our offense. The quarterback carries the football a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but the chance of those guys staying entirely healthy all year is, is not great. So you, you want to feel good about two. And uh, and really, I'd say, you know, uh, Xavier, our line's played a ton of snaps for us and won games for us. And so he's a solid option as well. And, and we're, we're doing some different things with him, mm-hmm. playing him in slots on him trying to find ways to get him on the field but but we, we can certainly win with him also and so it's good to have that kind of depth you know I think we've had that in the past and uh you know you kind of I'm not a big two quarterback guy um but you you would love to have two that can roll and, and you know whoever gets the hot hand we may end up rolling with, with one or the other and uh, we'll kind of see how it plays out can you tell us a little bit more about that with Xavier, right? This this new role that you have imagined, or that you obviously and I say you, but it's the staff, of course. And yeah. I know that's not really your side of the ball, but I get it. You're the head coach now. Um, what sure. what that might look like with with Xavier, and and how you try to find some different ways to get the ball in his hands. Yeah, well, he's, he's a backup quarterback, and and uh, you know the ability to put him in the slot. You know, he's he's a very dynamic athlete and uh, has good ball skills, and so. Uh, to have two quarterbacks on the field at one time is, is I think, a challenge, you know, from a personnel standpoint for our opponents. Um, and he can run and catch, you know, and be able to get the ball to him in space and on the perimeter and, and do some unique things with him uh, gives us a unique opportunity uh, on offense. 
you, uh, I imagine that you feel pretty good about your defense coming into this season, right? Like, is, is, is that the case of uh, maybe is it would be unfair to say, hey, there's reason to have solid expectations. The question about how far yeah. Navy can go will be, you know, whether the offense can catch up. Yeah, I do. I feel really good about um, our defense. You know, we have, have nine guys coming back. And, you know, those nine coming back have played a ton of snaps for mm-hmm. us. Uh, we, a lot of them played when they were young. We, we took some licks um, with that. But, you know, it's obviously hopefully going to pay off for us this year. And you know, lost a lot of production, you know, with Nick Straw, our, our Raider last year, and, uh, of course, John Marshall at Stryker. And, uh, but I'm excited about the guys that are, that are replacing those two. And, um, you know, hopefully we won't have much drop off at, at those spots. And uh, just it's an experienced group. We've made some some changes, um, you know, personnel placement that I think are, are, are really good changes. And excited to see what that looks like. But they they've been in the same system for a long time now. They've played a lot of snaps. Uh, Coach Volker has done a tremendous job uh, with the defense since he took it over, and uh, couldn't be more pleased with, with where we're at. And uh, excited to, uh, to to roll out on the field with those guys. Coach, could you walk us through, you know, obviously there's a reason why you're in this situation, right? And that's that the expectation at Navy is to, to be winning, getting bowl eligible and competing in the conference. Um, you know, as this transition happens, you're, you're met with those being the expectations and that being the standard, yeah. but it's it's not easy when you're in a time of transition. What what do you feel like are reasonable expectations for your program going into this season? No, it's, you know, it's not easy. And we, we had a tough few years and, and – um... You know, you can go all the way back to COVID and kind of what that did to our program, and it was different here than it was anywhere else. And um, you can certainly make make some excuses um, for the lack of success here. And but I think that you know the expectation uh, from from Chet Gladchuk is is fair. I mean, we we expect to win the CIC around here, and we expect to, to go to a bowl game. And I don't think that's unreasonable uh, by any stretch. And I think this thing start to settle back down from the. You know, the, everybody getting a, a next year from for, for, for COVID and those kind of things, but the playing field will start to uh, level out a little bit and uh, certainly helps. But, uh, no, I, I think that's, the expectations here are reasonable, and there's no reason why we, we can't do that. Is there anything to be said for how the league has changed this year? That, like, given the fact that you're one of the teams that's been around and, and that, like, yeah. that maybe there's reason to think that the, the, the league, I don't want to say is coming back to you because it's an unfair thing to say because it's still a hell of a competitive league, but that it, yeah. it positions you guys maybe even a little bit better within the league? Yeah, I, I think that's fair to say. Uh, it is a very good league, and it's a league that's going to continue to get better. And look at the schools that we brought in and, and the recruiting areas that they're located in and uh, the coaches that they've hired and those kind of things. It's, it's going to be an exciting league. And, uh, but I do think you know, having you know, five new teams on the schedule you know, it certainly helps us because, you know, what we do offensively and defensively is unique. It's, it's not easy to prepare for mm-hmm. if you're not seeing it every year, especially. And so I have some new opponents on the schedule that are going to have to put together a plan to, to defend us. And, and uh, I think that, that helps a little bit. Is it weird for you coming into this, you know, taking over the head coaching gig and just trying to get ready for football? And at the same time, like you look around and college football is, is just kind of all over the place and everybody's panicking yeah. about like the future of the sport. Is it weird for you knowing like, Hey, that stuff matters, but I, you, you can't obsess over it. How do you handle that yeah. sort of measurements? Yeah. Well, well, you know, obviously the state of, of college football is always a concern for me and things that are going on with the, the, the portal and the NIL and the realignments and, or, or some of them are alarming and concerning. And, and, uh, 
I think it'll take care of itself eventually. But uh, you know, the good thing here is a lot of that doesn't affect yep. us, and and uh, in a lot of ways that, that makes us even a a more special place to be. And, and certainly, I think you know I've got one of the best jobs in college football, and and uh, extremely grateful to be here and uh, to coach the kind of kids I get to coach on a daily basis, and and not have to deal with some of the things that you know other coaches are dealing with right now. And so it's just, this place has always been a unicorn, and I think it's even even more so nowadays. You know. All right, so you know what's what's the plan? Are you are you do you try to stay adjusted to like time the time here in the states, or do you get out there? Like, what's the plan for making a trip like this to Dublin? Yeah, well, we go out. You know, nothing here is really going to change. We'll be on a normal schedule. Uh, we we practice here Wednesday, and then we get on a plane you know Wednesday night and uh, fly through the night over the pond, and then we get in around nine o'clock Thursday morning, um, and we'll we'll have a walk through on Thursday and then and a sped up practice on Friday and, and uh, we'll roll. Um, so really, you know, there's not a whole lot you can do, you know, when you're trying to adjust to a five hour time difference. And so, you know, we talked about it a lot and I think the schedule is good, as good as it can be. And obviously in the first time there, you'd like not to have to deal with those logistical mm-hmm. issues, but Notre Dame is dealing with the, the same things. And so it's not a disadvantage for us, uh, but certainly something to, you know, to be a little bit concerned about, but, I feel good about our, our plan, you know, logistically. Now, do you allow yourself even like a moment to say, hey, like make sure you go out on the field and look around and like realize how cool it is that yeah. you're the head coach at Navy, you know, going up against no, – will you allow yourself anything like that? Yeah, I hope so. You know? <laughs> um, you know, I hope, you know, for our players to be able to have this opportunity and experience, you, you want them to be able to soak it up and, um, you know, take it all in and at, at the same time kind of drown out the noise and the distractions when the time comes. And so you want them to be able to enjoy it. It's a, a great, it'd be a great experience for, for them. And so, yeah, I, hope, I certainly hope to, to have a, have a moment where I can take it all in and, and, uh, you know, hopefully after the game, uh, have a really good moment to take it all yeah, in. That, so, that would be pretty cool. Yeah. That would be yeah, pretty no, cool. No question. If it worked out that way, obviously won't be easy. I hear the, uh, I hear that kid Hartman's okay. No, I hear that. He's guy. not bad. All right. Yeah, yeah. He's a, uh, He's, I think he's a special player, you know, great, great leader. He's a winner. Um, it sounds like he's really galvanized that, that unit over there. And, um, you know, I've watched him a ton and, and got a ton of respect for him and how he plays and how he handles his business. And it's going to be a great challenge for us. Brian Newberry, uh, really excited to see what you guys are able to do against Notre Dame and all throughout the course of the season. Uh, we will be checking in. Appreciate you spending a couple of minutes with us. Safe travels and uh, best of luck as you yeah. head out to Dublin. Thanks, Glenn. Appreciate you. That's Brian Newberry, Navy football coach, with us here on GCR as uh, he gets ready for Notre Dame next Saturday in Dublin. Appreciate him spending a couple of minutes with us. All right, uh, let's switch gears. It's time for us to make our weekly trip to Bowie to chat with a member of the Bay Sox. Our next guest here on GCR is someone who is having a very nice season between the two levels that he has pitched at this year. He has appeared. Listen to these numbers. He's appeared in 25 games. He's allowed a total of five earned runs in 29 and a third innings. Opponents hitting 0.83 against him, pitching to a 0.65 whip. Sheesh. Those numbers will work. Those numbers will work. He is relief pitcher. Keegan Gillis, and he's with us now here on GCR. Keegan, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to chat, man. Thank you for taking the time for us. 
Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. It's great to chat with you. I imagine it's it's been great to chat to anybody this season. Uh, as you've been kind of on one all year long, you get the bump up the buoy. The numbers continue to be pretty good. Uh, how happy have you been with how this season has gone for you? Oh, it's been a it's been a great year so far. Um, you know, since I've been drafted, it's kind of been up and down with injuries and those type of things, which is kind of out of your control sometimes. So uh, coming into this year, I just wanted to stay healthy and make it through a full year and really show everybody what I have. Um, tell me about, you know, I don't know the background for you, Keegan. I, I feel like for so many guys, it's difficult to, like, become a relief pitcher because it's the old saying, right? A relief pitcher is a failed starting pitcher, typically. What, what, was, the ba- <laughs> right. what was the background for you? Because it's all you've done since coming into this system. When did you move into a role where you're like, okay, this is who I am, this is my path, and how did you handle, like, this could be the thing that gets me to the major leagues one day. I don't care what it means about other things that I might have done. I need to be really good at this. Yeah, no, I was, I mean, I've been a starter all my life up until about my, after my junior year of of college at Tulane, um, I kind of got a bump in velo. I went to an all-season training program and got a pretty big bump in velo. And when I came back, I was fighting for um, a Friday night position at Tulane my senior year. Um, and actually a week before the season started, our head coach came up to me and said, Hey man, we need a closer and we want you to be that guy. Um, and at first, you know, I'm kind of thrown or thrown back a little bit because, you know, I'm, I'm fighting for that Friday position. I wanted to start, Mm -hmm. you know, um, that was always my passion. Um, but as soon as I got a taste for that bullpen and that closing role, man, I loved it. It was, uh, it's exciting. The adrenaline is, uh, next to nothing and coming into the ninth and, and closing it out in a one, two, three run ball game is, you know, just so much fun to me. Um, and going back to starting is, you know, fine with me. I can do it if, if I need be. But honestly, the, the closing role is something that I'm passionate about now. And I love the adrenaline rush, getting it in and, and shutting them down. Did you find yourself almost feeling like, oh, this is natural for me? Like maybe this is what I was I was meant to do. Because I what you just said there is so interesting to me. You talk to so many relief pitchers who are like, it takes – a different type of mentality, right? Like you almost have to be a little bit of a psychopath to to come into a game and be utterly ramped up when you had no idea that you were going to be pitching that day. Did that mentality come natural to you? Did you have to figure out a way to sort of like ramp yourself up and, and learn how to do that? No, not at all. That was kind of my mentality as a starter anyway, going out there, kind of being the crazy bulldog mentality, almost psycho-ish, if, yeah. if you will. Yeah, I know, I get um, it. But yeah. But, yeah, as a starter, I kind of had that same mentality going out there and just bulldogging my way through, you know, six or seven innings. So once I got to the pen, it came really natural. Um, definitely the routines had to, to shake up a little bit. Um, but overall, just, you know, getting the caffeine in and getting ready to get your name called <laughs> is, uh, stayed the same. <laughs> That's pretty great. It feels almost like you're becoming like a professional wrestler in those moments, right? Like most of the, most of the day you're Keegan, and then for like a couple of minutes you're Keegan the Destroyer, you know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly it's uh it's an alter ego for sure <laughs> um where the the uptick in velocity where where how has that gone as you've gotten to the pros where where are you sitting at velocity wise um right now it's um like i said i wanted to stay healthy all this season um i didn't want to have to go out there and you know throw my exact hardest every time because that sometimes leads to injury um so a lot of the times or especially this year i'm about three to five touching a a 96 here. Um, but just going out and being consistent in that velocity range and, uh, you know, putting it, putting the ball where I want to put it in certain situations. And, um, 
you know, it's been pretty successful for me this year. As you say that, it sounds like what you're saying is that you, you could, you know, as you continue to make your move, let's just say we're talking about Keegan Gillis, major league reliever. At, at that point, where do you think the velocity could still go? I mean, the sky is the limit. I don't want to put a, a cap on what I could possibly do, um, especially, you know, going into the offseason. Um, you know, I, I feel like I can really push it to, to any limits, so I'm not going to hold myself to a cap there. <laughs> I understand that. I, I just I, I really want you to just say, like, 104 so I get excited because we've been, wa- <laughs> we've been watching uh, uh, Felix Batista this season, and it's just like, oh, I don't even know what, if this doesn't seem human. Like, right. how, how can the human being <laughs> he's pretty be? good. Yeah, I hear he's okay. Keegan Gillis is with us in the Bay Sox. Bay Sox, back home this weekend. So many great events this weekend at Prince George's County Stadium, including Fireworks Night and Grateful Dead Night on Friday night um, with a lot of very cool things, including a T-shirt giveaway. On uh, Saturday, Fireworks and the Craft Beer Fest. And then on Sunday, the Bay Sox are back as Congrejos Fantasmas de Chesapeake. And that is always a cool thing. Get your tickets for all of these events right now at BaySox.com. Um, Keegan, being a part of this organization like, and seeing the opportunity that's in front of you, how much more exciting has that made it to, you know, becoming a pro is an exciting thing no matter where you're going to be. But, like, looking and saying, man, I could be, like, a step or so away from trying to help a team win a World Series. How much more meaningful has that been for you? I mean, it's it, it means the world, honestly. It's It's been a long road to get here, a lot of ups and downs, um, a lot of failures to overcome. So, um, you know, just being in that conversation or even just being a step away is, you know, very meaningful to me because, um, you know, it's it's been a long road, like I said. So uh, just having the opportunity to, you know, be in Bowie and show, showcase my stuff and then, you know, whenever the time's right, hopefully um, get that call up to the next step or two. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it'll mean the world for me, and not only me, but my family, because you know they put in a lot of time uh, for me to get to this point as well. Um, I I don't know, and I'm asking this genuinely. I I assume that you probably were were teammates at some point with Hudson Askin, but did that did that time line up right at Tulane? Yeah, yeah, he was there my junior year and senior year, okay. uh, which was that COVID year. Um, so we played about a year and a half together. Um, but yeah, we we played together also with uh, Colin Burns. Um, oh sure right yeah so we we got a little two-lane squad here with the Orioles how cool has that been for you right like to had to know these guys and I know that you haven't all been at the same place at the same time the entire time but like how neat has that been to be able to continue those relationships here it's awesome because those are those are two really cool guys really good guys um you know we had some good times together at Tulane and then Huddy came in um you know a year or two before I did so he kind of knew the system and um he kind of gave me some insights on what was going on, uh, the best ways to you know move through the system. That's and, cool. You know, gave me some pointers pointers through that. So it's been it's been awesome having those guys here. That's helpful, man. That's really really cool. And then I, did I read somewhere that you had actually played some baseball in in the Baltimore area even before you were in this system? That you were involved with like the the Ripken League? Yeah, I was. My freshman year uh, summer, actually, they sent me out here. Um, to play for the Redbirds uh, when they were in the the Cal League, and uh, it was an awesome experience. That's that was my first taste of Baltimore. Um, actually, you know, going to an O's game that year, and then uh, what a coincidence! You know, four or five years later, you know, I'm playing in that Orioles jersey. That's it's cool, man. it's pretty awesome. That's pretty cool, and 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 making your move and and making some noise now as you move forward. 
Uh, I saw on your Twitter, uh, big Saints fan. Oh, huge Saints fan. Okay. Huge. So, um, I, I, I look, man, I'm not trying to be disparaging towards the Saints because, <laughs> like, the truth is in that division, man, it, it might only take, like, seven wins to win the NFC South this year. Um, where were you at with the Derek Carr thing? Were you like, okay, cool, or did you kind of feel like, no, just go draft the damn quarterback and find the guy? Well, I mean, coming off of Drew Brees, it's, it's been a tough couple of years ever since he retired. Um, so I'm actually very, very on board with Derek Carr. Uh, I think he's a great quarterback. I think he's an underrated quarterback. Um, and I think with the weapons that we have this year, I think, uh, we can actually make some moves and probably win more than seven games. (laughs) I mean, you might, but I'm telling you, you might not need to, you might not need to win more than seven games in order to win that division. Um, so I was talking to Silas recently about like, you know, how you can't get a good crawfish boil around these parts. Have the two of you ever tried to, like, you know, recreate something like that, like a couple of Louisiana guys playing together? <laughs> we haven't yet. I'm sure I'm sure that time will come. Crawfish season is over, uh, so it's it's going to be tough to get any any crawfish up here. But, uh, no, I actually haven't. It's It's been tough to try to, you know, cook some, some Louisiana that, Cajun that, food. So out that's here. what I want. What, what is the thing that you – because, look, I am a big New Orleans guy. Like, I try to go out of my way every couple of years to find an excuse to make a trip down um, d- just to eat for a week. Like, I mean, legitimately, that's all. I just walk around and eat for an entire week. What is the, what is the single thing that you, it's killing you that you most miss that's more, like, Cajun style that you just can't – there's no way to replicate it here? It's it's crawfish. There's no doubt about it. It's uh, it's been. I mean, baseball season runs right in the crawfish season, so I can never get it before I leave. And if I do get it, it's still still pretty early, so they're a little small. Uh, but overall, it's it's definitely crawfish because I, I just can't replicate that at all over here. I am convinced, though, and this is from a man who went the other way, right? Like I I was a guy that cracked crabs my entire life, and then went to New Orleans the first time, got invited to a crawfish bowl, and I was like, oh, I. I, I know what this is all about. This is like when we have a crab feast back home. Like, I can understand this. Have you been able to translate, like, the, the love of crawfish? Have you sat down and cracked crabs at any point that you've been here and said, okay, this isn't the same thing, but it ain't bad? It's Well, we have crab boils in Louisiana, too. Uh, just crawfish boils are, um, I guess, more appetizing to us. But I have not <laughs> I have not had the, the crabs out here yet. Oh. Uh, my- my fiance's uh, dad actually runs a seafood shop in Louisiana, and uh, he came out here to, to visit, and he had some of the crabs, and he actually enjoyed them. So that's saying a lot coming from him. All right, I'm telling you, it's like you should be able to just sit down. It's the same concept where you just everybody sits down, you dump a bunch of crabs out on a table, and and you're you're grateful to be alive, right? Like you just you sit around <laughs> all day. I think that it would be something that you'd be able to dig and you'd be able to get into. Um, uh, this, this kid that's playing behind you right now, when you come into the games, this, this 19 year old that looks like he might be the greatest player in the history of baseball. What is it, what has it been like to, to watch and to, you know, have Jackson holiday playing behind you as you've made these moves in the system? It's, it's awesome. I mean, he's, he's such a great player, such a young player and he's, you know, this good already. He's got a, you know, a mature approach about him. Um, whether it's, you know, coming into the locker room or his, his ABs or um, just playing defense. He's, he's got a real mature approach. And, um, you know, I played with him in Delmarva when he first came up and then Aberdeen and now 
seeing him now in Bowie, he's just uh, every year, every month, he's gotten better. Um, you know, switching from you know high A hitters to double A hitters is really hard. Yeah, and he's telling everybody how easy it is. <laughs> it's nuts, uh, right? It's it's really not, and uh, you know, it's just it's just awesome to see someone doing that at such a young age. Who's give me one maybe teammate that you don't think gets enough love? Like obviously that guy is you know everybody's paying attention to him, right? But is there somebody on your team that you feel like? You you know you've watched him, you've seen the performance. You say that guy's special, and I don't think anybody's talking about him nearly enough. Um, I think people are talking about him, but I'd say Billy Cook is one of those guys. Okay, um, he can make in some the past plays. Couple man. months, he is he's been making some noise, and it's been really fun to watch. Uh, he's a super utility player, so he's playing you know five, six, seven positions on the field, um, and he just goes up to the plate and mashes. It's really fun to watch and. Um, he's starting to get that recognition these past couple months, but definitely someone who, who needs more of it. And I know that he had a two home run game not that long ago, right? Too like he's starting to yeah. show some pop too on top of everything. Else. That's very common. <laughs> very um, common for him. Uh, yeah. Let, let me get the rundown in uh, again. Baysox.com huge weekend ahead. Uh, seriously, the craft beer festival. It's awesome. Grateful dead night. Make sure you get your tickets. Uh, what about you, Keegan? What about, you know, where can Orioles fans be giving you a follow? Twitter, Instagram, anywhere like that as they want to follow you along on this journey? Yeah, Instagram, uh, Twitter, I'm on both of those. Uh, I believe my Instagram handle is kgillis29, uh, and then my Twitter handle is keegangillis10, I believe. Um, so you can find me on, on both of those okay. uh, platforms. It's Gillis. It looks like more like Gillies when you G-I-L-L-I-E-S, but it's Gillis. That's correct. And that's how you search. You can find them there. Uh, Keegan, congratulations, man. What a, what an awesome season you're putting together. Uh, can't wait to see what's next for you as you continue your path towards the major leagues. Thanks for spending a couple of minutes with us this morning. Look forward to doing it again, dude. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. Truly appreciate it. That's Keegan Gillis, the Bowie Bay Sox, with us here on GCR, having a very, very nice season. Um, hey, if you missed it, we got a new print issue of PressBox that's available right now. Get to your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of those hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox. You can read it all at PressBoxOnline.com. On the cover, Bo Smolka dives into the contract era now for Lamar Jackson. One of the highest paid players in football history. What's next? What are the next steps? How does that translate to the Ravens? breaking through and making their first deep run in the postseason in a very long time. It's a franchise that has not been to an AFC championship game since winning the Super Bowl. Bo Smoka dives into that in this print issue of Pressbox on the cover. Also a lot of college football content. Um, great stories about uh, Brian Newberry, who joined us a little bit ago, and Pete Shinnick, the new coach at Towson. Meet some players from around the area. Uh, Kyle Andrews introduced, I had no idea, did you know that uh, uh, DJ Hamler plays at Morgan State is the cousin of KJ Hamler? Oh, really? Denver Broncos, I had no idea, but you can learn about that in this print issue of PressBox, which is available now. When we come back in, Griffin will tell us what's going on in the world of the fight game this weekend. Big UFC fight coming up on Saturday night. We'll find out more about that next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. 
hike to new heights. The best view is yours in Washington County. Our iconic scenic overlooks provide some of the most breathtaking vistas in the mid-Atlantic. Some are very easy walks, some can be driven to, and some are the payoff for a moderate to difficult hike. All are near quaint small towns that offer great dining, shopping, hiking gear, and more. Explore our five national parks for iconic vistas and wineries with breathtaking views. Visit our quaint historic towns and make your stay unforgettable. Learn more at visithagerstown.com. Maryland, be open. America's biggest bike race returns to Maryland Sunday, September 3rd as 120 of the world's best cyclists race the Maryland Cycling Classic presented by United Healthcare. Come enjoy the free fan zones and festival with interactives, food, and drink beginning at noon. Then see the exciting race conclusion from 3 to 5 p.m. in the Inner Harbor. Come be loud, be proud, and let the world hear you. For more information, go to MarylandCyclingClassic.us. Soak up summertime fun in Charm City. Enjoy only in Baltimore festivals, mouth-watering eats, and endless entertainment. Cheer on the O's at Camden Yards. Pick crabs by the waterfront. Beat the heat inside a world-class museum and make memories that will last a lifetime. Go to Baltimore.org for more information and to plan your visit. You feel that? That's the sound of football coming back. And now's the time to place your preseason bets with Superbook Sports. Superbook is the most trusted name in Vegas. And now you can use my promo code, GlennClark23, to score up to $250 with their first bet bonus. Win or lose, they'll match your first bet up to $250 with the promo code GlennClark23. All one word, no spaces, two N's in Glenn. Don't miss out this football season. Win some money with Superbook Sports sports and that promo code Glenn Clark 23 visit superbook.com for terms and conditions gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER I'm Michael Jan Grandy president of AJ Michaels your carrier energy expert for 44 years save money energy and make your home more comfortable and virus free find us at ajmichaels.com that's ajmichaels.com Maryland drivers, did you know you can save up to 77% on tolls with an EasyPass Maryland discount plan? That's right, 77%. It's never been easier. Pick the plan that's right for you at driveezmd.com. We'll keep you moving. It's a Maryland thing you wouldn't understand. Where the waves meet the shore, you will find Dorchester County. Hi, this is Jimmy Charles. When I think of Maryland, I think Dorchester County on the eastern shore where it's open for making memories. Dorchester County, it's a Maryland thing. For more info, visit www.visitdorchester.org. It's a Maryland Picking a restaurant to try for the first time? Let's look at the Costas Inn. Here's a few checklist items. Quality of the food, check. Quality of service, check. Does restaurant have plenty of free parking, check. And finally, does restaurant have delicious steamed crabs, crab cakes, crab soup, and specials galore? Check, check, check. Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard. They check all the boxes. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Check out pressboxonline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark. All right, back in here on GCR as we continue along on a Thursday edition of the program. Um, 
I, I do, I don't know if you guys saw the tweet yesterday, but uh, earlier in the week, in the midst of all the hullabaloo about Michael Orr, I mm. had passed along that Michael Orr was, as of Monday, even when this all was coming out, still scheduled to join us in studio next Monday morning. Well, uh, late yesterday afternoon, got the message that uh, Michael Orr will not be doing that and will not be making any other media appearances on Monday. I don't know how far to read into that. Like, I don't know, admittedly, Based on, I assume a lot of people had said, well, it seems like you know the lawsuit might be just trying to get publicity for the book. But I would have assumed that they kind of walked hand in hand. Like the book might have kinda. some stories about the the situation and that's the timing of it. And the fact that, as again, as of Monday, we were still scheduled to have Michael Orr join us in studio next week and over on 105.7 The Fan. Um... You know, I, I kind of figured like, well, hey, it's all, it, this is all part of it. Um, wh- what do I read into about his media tour being canceled? I don't know. I think as of right now, he's still scheduled to come to Baltimore to do an appearance. That was part of the, part of the reason why this was happening was because he was scheduled to do an appearance here in Baltimore on Monday night. Gotcha. A signing so, of the book, and so just kind of made sense. I don't know if like that's yeah. still on. I didn't ask because now I kind of no offense, don't care. <laughs> like, gotta be realistic about things. If you're not coming in to hang out with us in studio, why do I care about that? Um, I don't know. I don't know to tell you, but um, it's not happening. That's all I can tell you. It again, as of Monday, when everything started to come out, we were still scheduled, but yesterday that changed. Late yesterday afternoon. Got the email. It's all off. No media for Monday. And I, you know, we'll see. I said, well, if at some other point Michael Orr would like to speak to us in studio, over the phone, whatever it might be, by all means, please let us know. But um, I'm not banking on it. I'm not banking on it. I've I've kept, I I have not shared a lot of opinions about this because this is not, what the hell am I going to say, right? I don't know. So I have no idea. Those twoies. This is, this is what, it's like the people, okay, so the, yesterday on Twitter, I, I don't know, and again, I, I do know that when I was younger, I did dumb things. Like, I understand that. No, you so didn't. Like, did you? I, believe it or not. Really? When I'm older, I still do some dumb things, <laughs> yeah. but there are certain things. So, Marlon Humphrey, we know nothing about the injury, right? Like, we don't know. He, it was a, he had a foot surgery. That's what we know. And I'm, I see people on Twitter. My guess is he'll be back blank. Week, yeah. I'm like, week 10. We're we just saying anything? <laughs> well, and the, I, I know the, that's, that's the answer. The, the answer yeah. is that's what Twitter is, is just say anything. Like, what? What? why do you think that has any value at all? My, my guess is. And it's... it. it <laughs> who the F knows? <laughs> I am concerned. I hope that my that uh, Marlon Humphrey is back uh, before week one. That'd be great. I'm concerned about the possibility of him not being back by week one or week two or whatever it would be. But I have to my guess. We're just gonna guess what the weather is gonna be on Christmas. Do you just wanna keep? I bet it'll be cold. God, 
Thank you. Although I feel like it's been mild recently. Uh, well, let's see. Last, 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 cri- last Christmas was when it was like eight degrees, wasn't it? Or maybe, maybe did it warm up? Uh, last no, last Christmas there was definitely in the middle of a, a terrible cold front. Yes. But I feel like the other Christmases have been mild it, recently. We, we, it's been a while since we had a white Christmas. Oh, there's. It's, I don't yeah. remember the last time there was snow on Christmas around here. I, mean, I don't think. remember that at all. Not that I. Not it, like significant. I, I never want there to be. I never want there to be snow ever. Not on Christmas. Not on Thanksgiving. Snow's not on so New pretty. Year's. Shut the f up, you child. We have jobs. People have things to do. People die when it snows. There is nothing when you're when you're three. Rooting for snow makes sense. When you're six, even no, when you're an adult, I'll give you that. When you're an adult, there is zero reason to ever root for snow, uh, unless I guess you run a ski resort, in which case Ooh, I'll I'll point. give you a pass for that. I will say yeah, it's bad season. And for if skiing. if your business has if you're a, operate a snowplow, I will give you. <laughs> you're allowed to root for snow. The rest of us, you're a child. Stop doing that. Um, but yeah, man, I, I don't know what to tell you. Michael or not going to be part of the show on Monday. It's what it is. Uh, and then the Wander Franco thing, mm. uh, I'm trying to remember what the name of the reporter it is Hector Gomez, I Hector think? Gomez, yes. who is a plugged in Latin baseball reporter. And I, I don't, I apologize for not knowing more of the details. Um, but Hector Gomez this morning reports that, um, as he's poked around, uh, starting to believe that like. Wanda Franco might never play Major League Baseball again. That there may be validity to these claims. And, yeah, I mean, oh, man. A, clo- a person very close to the investigations into the case of Wanda Franco, quote, it will be very unlikely that Wanda Franco will play in MLB again, judging by the results of the investigations that are currently being carried out, which directly commit him to the accusations against him. Um, I, again, I don't know a ton. He is in in the Latin baseball community. Hector Gomez is involved. Um, you know, that's it's awful. Obviously, like the possibility of this being true is just unfathomable. And remembering there's a victim involved, and obviously you separate that, and that's the part that matters. There's no getting around that from a baseball standpoint that. This was a young superstar in baseball that possibly might never play again. You know, that's that's wild. It's wild. Um appropriate if if this, you know, if this is true, I would like to hope that no team would ever employ Juan DeFranco that would recognize the overwhelming seriousness of this. And not just try to say, yeah, but he's really good at baseball. I'd like to hope that's the case. Yeah, so credit to the Rays, I guess, taking the correct the, steps. The, I mean, I, I like again, taking that step made you say, like, this ain't, this can't just be a wild internet rumor, mm-hmm. right? Like, there has to be something that is. They made a phone call or something like that. They were like, yeah, we're a little bit worried that this might be true. We're a little bit worried that there might be something to this, and just not okay. It's not okay. And there's no, as we said, there's no ambiguity. Like, there's ambiguity in in some topics. A 14-year-old, there's no ambiguity about whether or not that person is capable of making adult decisions. We know the answer. A 14-year-old is not. No ambiguity whatsoever on this. I feel like there was, I feel like there was something else that I wanted to get to today in the... I don't remember what it was though, so let's just go ahead. And Ronnie Stanley's back at practice. That's I mean, there was no real concern that Ronnie Stanley yeah. was going to miss time, so good. 
bully. Jalen Armour Davis back at practice. Oh, as thank well. God. Season season Saved. back back Saved. on. Back on. Super Bowl baby. Everything's back on. Anything else that you wanted to share? Um no. Any other no. any other Rocky Sin's still not at practice. Ah. Chick fil A is introducing a pimento cheese sandwich. Really? That's pretty big news. That is big news. Chick fil A is introducing a it's very it's a You really don't want to get the fighting words, huh? Well, no offense, it's more important. The Chick fil A one. Yeah. This one is. We can I debate mean, the other the other Jalen <laughs> Army Davis. No, yeah. but the Chick fil A thing is. Uh the honey pepper pimento chicken sandwich will debut oh. on August. It sounds great, except for we have to be honest about this. Pimento cheese in general, overrated. It it's it's fine and better in this circumstance. Like the thing they do at the Masters where like you get a sandwich and it's just this pimento cheese spread, like, no. Now, as a condiment to go along with your sandwich, the difficult part about this with Chick-fil-A is that the Chick-fil-A sandwich is perfect. And altering it in any way makes you... Like, when you put Chick-fil-A sauce on your Chick-fil-A sandwich, I want to smack it out of your dirty hands and then smack you again in the mouth and say you should never be allowed inside this business. Now, they are doing it for you in this instance. What's the point of Chick-fil-A sauce, then? For your nuggets. That's what it goes on. It goes on your nuggets. They have already prepared for you. They have handed you in a little bag the perfect sandwich. And if you alter it in any form or fashion, if I see you take a pickle off of it, I I want you on a no-fly list. I want you to not be out of the country at that point. You put some sauce on it. I got to be honest with you. I'm not a big death penalty guy, but sometimes it's deserved. All right. All right. That is what they have handed you is, is yeah, the I nectar agree. of the gods. I agree. Don't touch it. Don't do anything. You are spitting in the face of God. What was the scene from Superbad where she's like, I hear she's having a breast reduction surgery. And he's, he's like, like what? It's like spitting in the face of God. Get that for the soundboard. <laughs> All right? I want that in the soundboard because putting sauce on a Chick-fil-A sandwich is like spitting in the face of God. Definitively. Now, they are doing it. I'm I'm willing to listen. And it's Chick-fil-A that we're talking about. So in general, They're, you give them the benefit of the doubt. Right. In general. I still pimento cheese, like it's that thing that should pimento cheese should be a thing. It should be good. Like every cheese dip is delicious. And yet I I mean it's just kind of like every time you have it, you're like, eh, I don't need any more of this. It's a southern thing. It's so, like so Chick Fil A. I mean, if it's part of do it right. it's part of the culture in the. It's almost like we. It doesn't really matter if it's good or bad. It's it's part of how we live. It's the way that things work around here. Like that, we're gonna do it. But I am, I'm nervous about it. I'm nervous about it. Of course, on August 28th, I will make sure I get right, one. Right. I will do my due diligence. I am a man who's willing to make sacrifice. I am a man who will fight for your right. I will make those sacrifices for you. And I will enjoy uh, one of these things, but I'm going to be honest about it. I'm not just going to cover because it's Chick-fil-A, because the truth is, I, again, will probably say, just get a Chick-fil-A sandwich. It's literally the greatest sandwich ever made. Don't worry about anything else. I tried the uh, Snyder's uh, Nashville Hot last night pretzel oh, pieces. I, I saw. Oh my god, they're so good. Really? They're so worth good. it. Uh, Griffin, I might have had an entire bag, and I don't eat Did things you, like that there, anymore. Are there any left? I guess I at guess. my house. Oh, okay. If you think that any of them are coming here, you would be wrong. Because <laughs> I can never buy another bag. Like I can't. Eat, I can't. I can't eat food like that. Like I can't <laughs> do that to myself. 
This will be the only bag I will ever be able to have. I'm going to finish it. Okay. All right. Fine. I mean, well, I mean, I know where you live now, so. <laughs> you think you're just going to stop yeah. by? Yeah. <laughs> Ask the kid. Hey, yeah. hey, hey, guys. Hey, kids. Did dad leave any pretzel pieces <laughs> lying around? All right. Hit the, hit the music. Do the thing. Way to be prepared. Oh, of course. Way dude. to be prepared. Way to. Nailed it. Nailed it. It's Fighting Words with Griffin Bass. Hey, Fighting Words this week will be brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel. You want to tell everybody what's going on at Live Casino and Hotel? Yeah, I want to tell everyone, uh, coming up on your last chance for the $100,000 Football Fanatics Contest. So attention, all Live Casino and Hotel Maryland Rewards members. Get ready for an incredible opportunity to win big this month, this August, between now and August 19th. That's Saturday, so time's running out. You can be one of the lucky winners to walk away with some awesome prizes. 40 winners will get the chance to play our thrilling $100,000 football game board with prizes including sports and social food vouchers, free play, and one lucky winner will walk away with the ultimate football fan experience valued at over $10,000. Visit maryland.livecasinohotel.com slash promotions for details. Adirondal Mills must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right. Um, what's I know the big fight Saturday night. Is yes. there is there anything? That, that's UFC the, 292, yes. yes. That is the Yes, that is the big thing. Aljamain Sterling, Sean O'Malley. Sugar Show, Sean O'Malley. It is, uh, I mean, I'm excited for it. I, I'm, I mean... Uh, it's the bantamweight title. I think it's probably one of the. It's one of the, probably the second best division. I think you know, like depth wise, you got lightweight, which is always going to be one of the best in UFC, uh, and really all of MMA. And then bantamweight at one thirty five is probably this. Probably the second best. Always probably the second deepest as well. Um, and uh, I mean, it, it it'll be exciting. Aljamain Sterling's kind of like for for some reason. I don't know. Everyone just kind of doesn't like love him that much in kind of the, the MMA and UFC uh, community. I mean, he's he's now, he'll be going for his fourth straight title defense. I mean, there's no doubt that, like, he's the, one of the best bantamweights in the world. Uh, it's just that all of his wins have been kind of, uh, I, I guess, maybe not overly convincing. Uh, his last fight was was a split decision against Henry Cejudo. That was in Newark. That was the one that, went up for that one. It was a great fight. Um it was just that it was a split decision. It really, it felt like, it, like I felt like Cejudo kind of controlled the the mat exchanges a little bit more, and it it really could have gone either way. And that and that was kind of the weird thing is just that it it shows kind of how disliked I guess he kind of is. Is that they were in Newark, Aljamain Sterling's from Long Island, New York, and everybody was on Cejudo's side. Uh, like Al, Aljo was getting booed. I, I don't I don't want to say the thing out loud. Oh, I, see I mean, I don't want to. I don't. And it's like it's a difficult conversation to have because. Somebody would point out, like, well, Daniel Cormier has largely been like it's to just say racism, right? Is is oversimplifying it, right? But let's be honest, we know what this fan base is, yeah. And yeah. The, uh, not all of it. I want to make that abundantly clear. Not all of it, but there's a good chunk of it that's a pretty toxic, yeah, yeah. And uh, we have this is not the first time. That, like, for whatever reason, a black fighter has just not connected with this audience. Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it's a fair point. It, and just looking at it, I mean, his first. So his first title win was when he got kneed by Pure Jan. Oh right. Yeah. Uh, well, the illegal knee, and so he technically won because Jan got disqualified. Uh, they ran it back, and then I, Aljo did win. I mean, it was another really close fight. It was a split decision, but Aljo beat Jan in the in the uh, in the rematch, and then his and then in, in his first title defense, 
Uh, he beat TJ Dillashaw. He knocked him out. But it was like TJ. That was a weird fight too, because Dillashaw had a injury that he like hid from his own camp, because he just wanted to like okay. fight and you know get paid, um, which was kind, which was kind of you know a little, little kind of a scummy move, just because you know like he he went in and he got his ass kicked, and he kind of knew that was going to happen. I, mean, I I do understand. I don't know if you've heard the UFC ain't great about yeah, you know that's, paying uh, <laughs> people. Like I do kind of understand prioritizing a paycheck. And then on the other side, you know, a lot of people think Sean O'Malley maybe is a little underserving of his title shot. I, that's I, the, I, that was the question I was going to ask you. Yeah. It's funny because I hadn't thought about the other side of it, and it's a fair point to make about Aljamain Sterling. But on the other side, it's like, is Sean O'Malley really deserving as a fighter of this, or mm-hmm. is it just he's marketable, he has fun hair? His name's O'Malley, and so in in Boston, <laughs> in Boston, right? You know, like I it, think it's uh, the latter helps a lot more helps a lot. I mean, his so his win was over Pewter Jan last 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 October. That was a split decision as well, which was another one where like I I had Jan winning that fight. Uh, I mean, Sean just didn't look really great on the ground, which is where Aljo really excels at. So. It stylistically, it doesn't really match up that well for Sean O'Malley, but you know he has been able to knock out guys. I mean, the, that's the problem is that he just hasn't really knocked out one of these upper ec- echelon guys uh, in the bantamweight. Did you say echelon? Echelon, kind of like echelon. We might echelon, stick, we might stick with that's echelon. Echelon, upper echelon. E- upper echelon guys. I like echelon. Just stop. Echelon. It's like former Orioles pitcher Thomas Eckelman. That's oh, a, Eshelman. That's a that's a that's a hell of a pool, right? Yeah, that's Tom a Eshelman. hell of a pool. Who would he? What teams would he work for? Uh, Oakland, Orton? I want to say. Oh, okay. I don't. Hang on a second. Thomas Eshelman. Thomas Eshelman. I that's don't a, know that's that a I can bo- name. Solid pool. Solid pool. I don't um, know if I can name another. I for, well, I don't know why I think Oakland. By the way, is Spencer Watkins with the Athletics now? I didn't know that. Oh really? I saw that. Oh, that was prison. Thomas Eshelman never pitched for another major league team. Oh darn. Yeah. So maybe. He, yeah, I guess there's. I guess he would never show Signed up. Signed a minor league deal with the Padres. And, Hopefully, it uh, makes it. Had been in the Astros and Phillies systems, but never played for another major league team. Um, I mean, I mean that being said, oh, he's uh, working with the Padres now. So screw him. Ashleman is. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In a in a pitching coach. Giving away all the secrets. Sort. It sounds yeah, like. Right? It's the reason why the Orioles. Yeah. Lost. Um. So I mean, that being said, I like. Sean should have known. I mean, they they kind of the UFC kind of made it clear that his next fight after the Jan fight would be a title shot, mm-hmm. and if it was going to be a title shot, then it was probably going to be you know Cejudo or Aljamain Sterling. So, in theory, the last the last year, Sean O'Malley should have been training jujitsu and wrestling, and he, but I don't know if that's enough time for him to really. He, he he was not having he any will, success. He uh, definitely have the crowd on his side, though. That is true. So that is true. And that. he is a guy that I think can definitely feed off of that as well. Mm-hmm. So I, we haven't seen the power translate against these these top level guys mm-hmm. in the bantamweight division yet. But you know, there's uh, he's he's a, he's a very tall, lengthy guy. He should be able to uh, keep Aljo at you know in his range as long as he can stop a takedown or two. He's got a chance. Uh, but Aljo's a minus two fifty favorite. Uh, I see it being closer than the odds. Like okay, I but you can't. Like, there's nothing you can do about that. Yeah, I know. I was. Well, I'm just gonna. I'm Are you gonna, willing I'm to put leaning, money in O'Malley? Uh, I don't know. Okay, no. so I'm that doesn't lean, mean anything. Yeah, I'm gonna lean Aljo because of you know how easily. Well, how can you make Sean some O'Malley money? Well, uh, earlier on the card. Okay, is that, is that remember I'm gonna make you, money. Did you do this from Superbook.com? Yeah, of course I did. Better have. Yeah. Um. Our, the uh, the the co-main event is another title title fight. The women's strawweight Whaley Zhang. Uh, she has not lost to anyone unless their name is Rose Namajunas. Uh, fortunately, she is not fighting Rose Namajunas. She's mm-hmm. fighting Amanda Lemos for the strawweight title. Uh, and so uh, I like Z- I like Zhang's chances there. She's about minus three hundred, minus three twenty. Uh, so I like her on uh, most of my parlays uh, that I'll be that I'll be playing Saturday nights. Um, another fun one, Demond Blackshear. Uh, he got a twister submission last Saturday. 
which is only the third in UFC history. Well, I don't even know what that is. That is, uh, if you can probably look at it. So, like, he with your legs, you like, gra- you like, you like wrap your legs around the bottom half of their body, and then you have like their arms or their head uh, with your with your with your arms, and you're just kind of literally corking their spine. Uh, and and it's called a twister submission. Jesus Christ! And, uh, yeah, it is really really painful. Um, so he got the third one in the UFC ever, uh, and he looked really good. But now he's jumping in short notice uh, to fights. Now, Saturday how is nights. that okay? Well, he didn't really. Ta- I mean, it was a first round. He got the submission in the first round. He didn't take much damage, really any. Um, it, it's a little different than boxing, where you know the you, you do get hit. Like, yeah, you have I to don't get think that it should be okay to fight back to back yeah, Saturdays. I, I don't. I do. We can say whatever you want to say. I don't think that should be an option. Yeah, I don't like it. I mean, he'll, he's fighting Mario Bautista, who is a really talented finisher. Uh, I mean, on short notice, I don't like Blackshear's uh, chances, but okay. it should be uh, it should be an entertaining fight as long as it lasts. Uh, Cheeto Vera and Pedro Munoz will be opening the pay per view opener. I like that. Uh, I like that fight a lot. It should be a good one. Pedro Munoz uh, is always he's never been finished, and Cheeto Vera is another one of those ex- really exciting bantamweights. Just a really talented striker, really talented everywhere. Uh, I like Cheeto Vera there as well there's a t- ultimate fighter fi- uh final as well on the on the uh on this card the ultimate fighter i mean it just gotta be honest with you, this end. twister thing doesn't look as cool as it's described Which, are you looking at blackshear if yeah. you look up the korean zombies his is like nasty this just looks i mean like i get it like they're all wrapped up like a pretzel type yeah. of deal but like well it's it just like your your like your hips are like this way and yeah they're like literally they're like literally grabbing. I just like when I hear twister like, submission, like I'm thinking it's gonna be some. I almost like feels like professional wrestling, right? <laughs> and then I actually see it, and I'm like, oh right, it's just. It takes well because it takes a minute to like you gotta like like the way that uh, Blackshear got it was the guy he like had his back and then the guy like tried to throw like a back elbow and he like missed and the and then Blackshear just kind of like caught his arm while it was behind his head. Okay. And then he just kind of kept pushing his chest around and around and around okay. until he was like, oh my god, mm. and had to tap. Um. Anyway, the Ultimate Fighter needs to end. I mean, it, no one really watches it anymore. It doesn't have the luster that it really wants. Well, it I mean, was supposed Conor, to lead to a, a yeah, fight. Yeah, it was supposed to lead to a fight. I mean, you have Conor McGregor on it, the most polarizing star in the sports, and no one is still no one is watching. It, like the, it's just not entertaining at all. I, I tried to watch, uh, the last ep- like the the last two episodes, and it, so they once they get to the actual fights, which these were the semifinals mm-hmm. in the last two episodes, and it's just not even you can't even watch it because they don't do commentary, which I kind of get the point where it's like you know it's like you're kind of in the corner with the guys, like you're just it's just the sounds of the octagon and like the coaches in the corner mm. but like it's five straight minutes of just no commentary and it just doesn't work yeah. it does not work yeah. um like it's it's kind of a good idea it, like in theory it sounds like it should be a good idea but it just doesn't work so there's a tough final uh and but you know no one really cares by the way did i not know that chris weidman was fighting again uh chris weidman is yeah he's fighting this uh he this first it seems time like, since like his, didn't he just like lose like a thousand fights uh he, yeah he has not been doing great his fight won't be his fight won't i mean he's he's it's two guys that are kind of brad tavares is who he's fighting um is that supposed to mean something to me uh no not really because okay. he's because he's also not been great either uh i mean i'm i'll root for chris weidman he's an underdog in his fight uh, Chris uh, Weidman was cool. I, I yeah. ended up spending some time with him in uh, uh, really? New York years ago. Oh, nice. uh, when, when when he was it's after he had beaten Anderson Silva and he looked like he was going to be the next superstar. He, of, I mean, he was great for a good stretch there, and then for like a year. Uh, was it? Was that? Was that really? Know, all, it was, as long know, as his maybe was maybe two years. I don't know. Um, until he got knocked out by Luke Rockhold, and, uh, and was never the same. No, unfortunately, unfortunately, no. Uh, he, this will be his first fight since the Uriah Hall fight, which was two and a half years ago. 
when he kicked Uriah Hall and then his leg snapped. Oh right, yeah. Yeah, so I do that. Oh, a lot. God, it's man, a little so nervous going into the Weidman fight, you know, just because. I mean, it's been two and a half years, so you assume I guess his leg should be healthy. But like, even so, it's been two and a half years. Anyone in this sport that's not been fighting for two and a half years, you don't really have a lot of. Uh, uh, you don't have a lot of hope for them. Um, yeah. But yeah, Chris Weidman. I think he's the uh, he's the main he's the featured prelim, so he'll be right before the main right before the pay per view. So everyone should get that one for free. Uh, and then to my bets, uh, I like Gerald Mearshart. He is he's one of my favorite fighters. Uh, the odds aren't, at least as of last night, they weren't up yet. Uh, but I once they go up, take him by round two or round three submission. Uh, this is just how all his fights go. You usually get some value around like plus 2,000, plus 2,500. So I'm taking which one? Gerald Amirshart. Okay. GM3 is what they call him. And oh, these are just really so. great value picks. He does the same thing in all, his, all of his fights. He just doesn't look good on the feet. He gets pieced up a little bit in the first round. But he seems to almost always survive. Uh, and then once he gets it into the second or third round, the fight just ends up on the ground. And that is where he excels. And he just finds a way to choke you out or, or do, you know, okay. make, make you tap in some way. And uh, yeah, I... I really enjoy watching his fights just because he's he, he he always comes in as an underdog and then he looks terrible in the first round and you're just like come on guy come on guy and then he finds a way to 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 win. Uh, his last seven wins have all been by the in, in this same fashion where he does not look good for the first half of the fight and then finds a way to get to the ground and uh, pulls out a submission. Okay. Uh, so Gerald Mearsharts, uh, Gregory Rodriguez is a fun one. His nickname is RoboCop because he looks like RoboCop. He's a big okay. favorite. <laughs> Uh, but you take if you take him by knockout, I think he gets around plus one forty, plus one forty five is what I was seeing. Uh, so Gregory Rodriguez, Rodriguez, it's Rodriguez because Brazilian. All right, all right, just get just plus one forty by knockout. I like him there, okay. and then my parlay will be uh, Chito Vera, who I mentioned in uh, Whaley Zhang parlay uh, around. I forget what they were uh, individually, but once you parlay them together, it's about even money around minus one ten for Chito Vera and Whaley Zhang. Uh, you can add Ian Gary as well, who's on the main card. He's a he's an Irishman uh, who sounds like Conor McGregor, but he's a little bit more. He's a little cooler because he's not. He's okay. like he's like a good person. Oh, oh what, yeah. a, what a, no- a novel yeah. concept! He's a massive favorite as well. If you add him, you can get to plus one twenty. Probably isn't on as popular then. Uh, I mean, he, yeah. I, in Boston, I'm pretty, he'll have in uh, Boston. He'll have sure, he'll right? have some he'll have some people behind him. Um, so yeah, that's UFC 292. That's uh, that's my preview. For Nothing you for this much Saturday. in the world of boxing this weekend. There's no. a fight on the zone that I yeah. don't know. Tommy Frank I, is involved. I don't know anything about it. Yeah, there's not. Uh, Anthony Joshua did knock out Robert Hellenius last week. I mean, so as it, should have probably been the case. Right. Given it, the it was a really like slow, unjustifiable fight. fight. He, he finally yeah. caught him cold in the seventh round. Um, but yeah, so it should shut up, set up a, uh, a Deontay Wilder fight next mm-hmm. for Anthony Joshua. If not. People are rumoring maybe a title fight against Tyson Fury after he fights Ngannou. Uh, <sighs> or he could fight the winner of the Joe Joyce Zile uh, uh, Zong fight. Oh. The Chinese boxer. I don't know. I can't pretend that I know anything about that, but okay. sure. Well, they fight yeah. in September, uh, um, so they, he could get the winner of that. Right. If a Fury or Wilder fight does not... Uh, does not uh, uh, does not articulate. All right, there you go. PFL does playoffs not develop. Develop articulate. Yeah. There, I'm really sure where that comes from. PFL playoffs uh, tomorrow night as well. Kay. So if you're waiting for the Orioles game to start, you know, it's 9:40 start time. We're not going to spend any time on the PFL ESPN. playoffs. Last thing I wanted uh, the, the the card last week. Judge, dumb judging cost me seventy dollars. I hit the first yeah. five legs of my yeah. parlay. Final leg, I uh, just needed Hakeem so, Dawadu. So you got it Cub, wrong, Cub is what you're saying. No, I did not get it wrong. No, it sounds like what you're saying is no, you got it wrong. because I got some sound here for you. We, oh, do they, you? Yeah. We, uh, uh-huh. it, let, we, 
Cub uh-huh. Swanson. No, didn't by even, all he didn't even think he won the fight. Yeah, by all means. Yeah. So let's go ask ahead. him. Let's ask him what he what yeah, how he ahead. thinks how he thinks the fight went. No, I was I felt like I was in the moment. I was having fun, which was my plan. And uh, but yeah, I thought I, I thought I took more shots, and but I always beat myself up, so I'd have to watch it again. Right, he, he had to watch he, it again and find out that he won. No, did, he did, didn't. Did, now here's my question: Did he win the fight? Uh, according did to, he win the fight? According to the three people, did he win the fight? According to the only three people, who, did whose matter? He win the fight. I don't think so. Did he win the fight? I don't think so. Who's the president of the United States? Who won the election? <laughs> Joe Biden won the election. Okay. Yeah. Did he win the fight? <laughs> uh, if you look, at did the, he win the fight? His record shows did that he has one more win. He win since last week. The f- Come back in. We'll get a tidbit and two to wrap it up. It's Glenn Clark Radio. You're good at this. You feel that? That's the sound of football coming back. And now's the time to place your preseason bets with Superbook Sports. Superbook is the most trusted name in Vegas. And now you can use my promo code, GlennClark23, to score up to $250 with their first bet bonus. Win or lose, they'll match your first bet up to $250 with the promo code GlennClark23. All one word, no spaces, two N's in Glenn. Don't miss out this football season. Win some money with Superbook Sports and that promo code GlennClark23. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Another exciting weekend of affordable family fun at Prince George's Stadium with the Bowie Bay Sox. It's the return of Grateful Dead Night on Friday the 18th. A special t-shirt package is available. Back-to-back fireworks carry on to Saturday the 19th with our Baytoberfest. Get some beer specials while you enjoy the game. And get here early on Sunday for a pre-game Meet the Team autograph session. Get your tickets now by calling 301-805-6000 or anytime online at baysox.com. The Bowie Bay Sox. Let us be your nine-inning vacation. I'm Michael Jan Grandy, president of A.J. Michaels, your carrier energy expert for 44 years. Save money, energy, and make your home more comfortable and virus-free. Find us at ajmichaels.com. That's ajmichaels.com. The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Bo Smolka dives into what's next for Lamar Jackson after receiving one of the biggest contracts in football history. Is Lamar ready to take the Ravens to the next level, now with a new offensive coordinator and new wide receivers? Also inside, we look at what new football coaches Brian Newberry and Pete Shinnick bring to Navy and Towson, respectively. And we meet players from the college football and soccer programs around the state. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the higher edition as well as the best daily coverage of the O's, Ravens, and Serps at PressBoxOnline.com That first sip That first bite Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. It's a Maryland thing you wouldn't understand. Where the waves meet the shore, you will find Dorchester County. Hi, this is Jimmy Charles. When I think of Maryland, I think Dorchester County on the eastern shore where it's open for making memories. Dorchester County, it's a Maryland thing. For more info, visit www.visitdorchester.org. It's a Maryland thing. It's a Maryland thing. Hell yeah. 
America's biggest bike race returns to Maryland Sunday, September 3rd as 120 of the world's best cyclists race the Maryland Cycling Classic presented by United Healthcare. Come enjoy the free fan zones and festival with interactives, food, and drink beginning at noon. Then see the exciting race conclusion from 3 to 5 p.m. in the Inner Harbor. Come be loud, be proud, and let the world hear you. For more information, go to MarylandCyclingClassic.us. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressbox online, and you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait, did I say Grindr? I don't think that you would find it on Grinder. Not that I know it's on Grinder or anything. I swear. Second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn. All right, let's get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and by a Toyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Another one from Jay Kuda. He pointed out yesterday that the Cleveland Guardians, entering last night, had five home runs in the month of August. There were three players with more home runs by themselves hmm. uh, than the entire Guardians well, team. How about that? Do you want to try to guess who they are? Five uh, more home runs in the month of August. Uh, three God, players. Three players with five or more home runs in the month of, month of August. I mean, it's not anybody in Baltimore. I know that much. No. Um, how about... Uh, Ronald Acuna. Uh, not Acuna. Feels like the Rays. Is, 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 sorry, is it a Brave? Yes, there is a Brave. Olson. Matt Olson has seven home runs in this the month of August. Well, the Guardians as a team. Well, they they hit one last night, so they now have six. Uh, but Olson still does have more than the entire team. I'm not that surprised by that. Um, who else has hit home runs? Is it a Dodger? Not a Dodger. Former Dodger. Former Dodger. Seager. Corey Seager, he has been when he's been healthy, he has been really good this season. He has seven as well. So a good month. baseball player. Yeah. And is it a who else has been good? Yeah. A little surprising good? this one. A little surprising this yeah. one. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. He's a NL East player. NL East player. And not a brave. We not already handled that. Yeah, not a brave. Probably not a Met. Not definitely not a Met. Could the be, Nationals DJ, have been hot. DJ, is it? DJ Store hit two home runs yesterday. How about that? The Nationals have been hot. Is it a National? Not a National. It's Philly. It is a Philly. And it's not Bryce Harper. Not Bryce Harper. Castellanos? Nick Castellanos. Going to be a deep, home deep, runs. deep fly ball to yeah, deep, deep drive to left field. field. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then also last week, Pete Alonzo, sticking with the NL East team, I guess. Pete Alonzo uh, hit his 179th home run uh, of his career, and he patched Ryan Howard for the fourth most home runs in a player's first five seasons in oh. MLB history. Okay. Can you name eh, name the, definitely name the three ahead of Pete Alonzo in their first five seasons? Um, and then I guess we can round out the uh, top. Let's round out the top eight. Okay. Um, most home runs in their first five seasons. Most home runs in the first five seasons. Let's go Bryce Harper. Not Bryce Harper. Let's go Mike Trout. Not Mike Trout. Let's go... These guys are way down the list. Hmm. Surprising? Yeah. 
Let's go Albert Pujols. Albert Pujols is second on this list. He had 201 home runs in his first five seasons. Let's go... Man, I don't know. How about... How about... Shohei Otani. Uh, not Shohei Otani. Not yet. Let me see. How many seasons has he had now? It feels like it's been. Has yeah. it not been five? It might. Maybe it hasn't been five. Maybe that's the case. Um. Man, I don't know why I'm struggling so much with this one. How about? There's some old guys on here. Oh, so like old? Like should I just be naming old old timey baseball players? Um, yeah. Mel I mean, Ott, uh, not Duke Mel Snyder, Ott. not Duke Rock Calavito, not Rocky Eddie Hall. Matthews, Eddie Matthews, yes. Hey, <laughs> Eddie Matthews is third on this list. Pete Alonso is sitting at 182 as we speak. Uh, he is eight behind Eddie Matthews. I don't know uh, why so I always like him. leading off with Mel Ott. I think it's because <laughs> it's just three letters in each name. It's a it's a fun name to lead off with. Rocky Calavito, did I say that one? Uh, you did, and he's not on the list. Ralph Kiner. Ralph Kiner is number one. Hell yeah. On Ralph this Kiner list. Ralph Kiner is number one on this 215. List. Any more old-timey baseball names? So last year would have been Otani's fit. No. Uh, no. No. Okay. Not, old, not, not that old. Not that old. Yeah. But like. But like 50s, 60s. Frank Robinson. Frank Robinson is on this list. He rounds out the top eight. 165. Need three more? Uh, one, two. Uh, two more. Because I gave you Ryan Howard. Mickey Mantle. Uh, close, not Mickey Mantle. Joe DiMaggio. Joe DiMaggio is indeed on this list. Just three home runs ahead it's of Frank funny, Robinson. because you don't think about Joe DiMaggio as a yeah. you know a home run hitter as much as just a hitter. Right. Last one. There's one more. There's one more. And should it be? Is it modern or is it? Uh, it's modern. Yeah. No longer active, but he is a modern player. No longer active, but modern. No longer active, but modern. Uh, Prince Fielder. Not Prince Fielder. Like where your head's at. He is uh, he's in the teens, Prince Fielder, 160 in his first no five No longer active, but modern. No longer active. God, I really thought that Prince Fielder was the perfect. Yeah. No longer active, but modern. Correct position. Correct position. A first baseman. No longer active, but modern. I mean, David Ortiz wasn't a first baseman. He yeah. was a DH. Not David Ortiz. Um, and it's not Ryan Howard because that's how this whole thing was yeah. set up. No longer active but modern. He is man. You know anything? He is not liked by Orioles fans. Oh, Mark Teixeira. Mark Teixeira. Mark Teixeira. All right, very good. Just a couple behind Ryan Howard, and very then uh, Pri- or uh, Mark Reynolds. He was two home runs behind Prince Fielder. Oh, how about for, that? Like about top fifteen on how this about list. That? Yeah, very good. All right, here's what's coming up totally tubular-wise. It's brought to you by Superbook. Again, use the code GlennClark23, and you will get a first bet match up to $250, win or lose. Superbook.com. Download the Superbook app, the code GlennClark23. Uh, Orioles are off tonight, so, boy, the, I wish I had better news for you. It's, it's bad. There's, there's football tonight, right? Mets Cardinals at seven on Fox. Uh, Masson's got Red Sox Nationals at four. It's also on MLB Network. Uh, Mariners Royals uh, two o'clock locally. It's also on ESPN Plus. Brewers Dodgers at ten on MLB Network. ESPN's got Little League World Series action. Hooray! Uh, Amazon Prime New York Liberty Vegas Aces at ten. Round one of the BMW Championship and the PGA Playoffs today at two o'clock. 
Tennis Channel, uh, the Cincinnati. God, Francis has had a terrible. Yeah. God, man. Follows up a loss to Milos Raonic with a loss to Stan Wawrinka. Like it's 2016. I mean, it? Oh. Jesus. What is going on? It's bad. He's saving it for. Vavrenka looked good. I don't want to take anything away from Vavrenka. He looked like Stan Vavrenka last night, which was wild. But Francis, he's saving it for New York, right? I don't feel good. I do not feel good about where he's at going into New York. That is, those are some bad losses. Not losses that a top ten player should be taking. Like that's brutal. Smashing rackets last night in Cincinnati. It was rough. Coco won though. That's good. Novak plays tonight. He plays Monfils tonight. I think it should be fun. Let's go. Uh, yes, if you if you like bad things, NFL Network tonight, Browns-Eagles at 7.30, Axis TV, Impact Wrestling at 8. It's bad. It's or bad. DTR, bad night. the Browns. Bad, 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 bad. Anything uh, non-sports-wise? Not really. Tracy Morgan's got a comedy special on Max. Um, okay. Taking it too far, his comedy special. Mm. Uh, killing It, season two, is on out on Peacock. This What's is a, it? It's a sitcom with Craig Robinson. It actually looks kind of uh, kind of funny. That sounds like something that I would enjoy. Yeah, I enjoy Craig Robinson. He's like in Florida, and he's like he makes a deal with like these like swamp this like swamp family, and then they're like I don't know they hilarity ensues. Okay, uh, right. and that's uh, that's that's it. That's, uh, okay, that's it for your Thursday. Rough night. It is. Rough it night. Is. All right, thanks today to uh, Jonathan Mayo. Thanks also to Keegan Gillis. Thanks to Brian Newberry. And thanks to Chuck Pagano. We'll get it all up in the greatest hits section of the... Oh, my God, it's so good. TabakLenClarkRadio.com. Stan will be in tomorrow. He will. Bo Smoko will join us. Yes, he will. Anything else? Uh, we'll go to Delmarva. Okay. To Matthew Etzel. Sure. Draft pick out of, uh, U- out of Southern Randy's, Miss. Randy's son. Uh, no, no, it's actually spelled differently. Oh, okay. Stuff and things. Oh, no. Okay. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Visit Baltimore, Live Casino and Hotel, Glory Days Grill, Dorchester County, the Bowie Bay Sox, Royal Farms, Costa Sin, Superbook, Baltimore Orioles, Birdland Sports, Easy Pass MD, Washington County, the Maryland Cycling Classic, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Thursday night. Go Birds! No, they don't play tonight. Go nobody! Duke sucks.